Warning, it is the opinion of the Forestry Productions LLC and the Working Perspectives podcast that we should inform you that some of the language used in this recording could possibly be considered offensive. You have been warned, so if you decide to listen to the recording, then don't complain about the language. Hello, how are you? Thanks for stopping by. Today we're going to talk to some real people about some real things, living real lives, doing real stuff. This is the Working Perspectives Podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied today by Jalen Dub, Justin Richardson, Heartstopper, Janet Hilo, Captain Jerkbeer, Tom Lavelle, and our guest today is the one and the only Eric Tank Brady. You can find all our stuff and all our content and all podcast platforms on YouTube at Working Perspectives Podcast. You can have us on Instagram at Working Perspectives Podcast. And you can join us on the Twitter and the Tiki Talk at Working P Pod. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email us at workperspectives at gmail.com. And please like and subscribe so we can keep bringing you this sweet, sweet content. Speaking of sweet, sweet content, this is the Working Perspectives Podcast. Let's get this thing started. Let's go. It's our objective to be effective. By We've been joined now by the man, the myth, Eric Tangrady, and he's going to come in and we're going to get into some weird stuff. So uh, I want to start off, Eric, first I want to say thanks for joining us and coming on the show. And I'd just like to ask, what movie do you think's better, The Godfather Part 1 or The Godfather Part 2? Wow. <laughs> Jumping right into it. First yeah. off, thanks for having me. No uh, I appreciate it. I think it's awesome what you guys are doing. Um, honestly, you're going to, this is a, a, a freezing cold take, but I have only really watched movies on buses during my career. So I only get spurts. I only get scenes. I'm not a big boob movie buff, but I think two is better than one. <laughs> that is the correct answer, my friend. <laughs> the correct answer. Very nice. Awesome. And then, uh, okay. What about Cheetos? Crunchy or puff? Uh, neither. Cheetos are trash. Wow. Wow. Whoa. Really hot take there. Whoa. <laughs> you eat no artificial cheese products? Uh, no, I, w- I grew up on um, every letter, whatever, GMO, gluten, uh, um, yeah. sugar, aspartame. I grew up on all those artificial Super sized. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you like 6'3", right? Pretty, pretty good shape, you know? I don't know. Just saying. Right? Yeah, it was previously. <laughs> I, I'm six foot four. My playing weight was 225 pounds. I just hit 250, which is uh, very much rock bottom for me. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I mean, you know, there's worse things, pal. Trust, trust. Sure. Wow, we got to go. 250. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> this show has a weight limit. 
Uh, okay, nice. And then uh, wings. Do you prefer the drumsticks or the flats? Um, flats. Oh, yeah, flats for me. Guys nope. blowing it. Now we're on wow. board. Wow. I mean, All we're right. the working perspective podcast. Nothing. You have to work a little harder for the flats, right? The, the, wow. The, you gotta want it. Wow. Good yeah, spin. You know. Good spin. Wow. Well, when you put it like that, drumsticks are still. I don't know. He's trained <laughs> so, to do interviews. Yeah. 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 How about it? Not his first day. So, okay, so let's keep it moving then. So, Eric, uh, you grew up, you're born in Roxborough, correct? Correct. All right, born there, grew up there. You did Catholic school, right? Is that right? Yes, that's so correct. You did you uh, like when you were coming up though? Did, was, I know hockey eventually later, but what was like this the sports scene when you were growing up? Were there other sports you were doing, or was it always just hockey? Yeah, and. Sometimes I talk and way too long about a simple, simple question. But for me, I played everything, right? My, my, my dad uh, had me in pretty much whatever season sport it was. I mean, right. I played baseball, basketball, hockey. I was not, you know, today it's sad to see some of these kids at, you know, 13 and 14 who play ice hockey 12 months a year. And I think that's a total disservice to, you know, you look at some of the greatest athletes, they were yeah. athletes. They yeah. weren't just one trick ponies. Yeah. Um, they played sports in every season. And I think that was a, partially a reason why I had success. So I literally, yeah. I played everything, lacrosse, basketball, baseball, hockey. Um, I did it all. Yeah. What I would say, I would agree with you hundred percent. So like, for example, look at Patrick Mahomes, right? Like he was a baseball guy and look how much that affected his throwing style and everything like that. Right. Like had he not played baseball, is he the same type of quarterback he is today? I a hundred percent agree with you. When you say Tyler Murray, yeah. Thing too. Yeah. Russell thing. Wilson. Yeah. 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 Look at that. And then would you say, so if you could go back, right. And do it over, like, cause I know me and Tom have talked about this cause we did wrestling and, like cutting weight and all that shit, just the worst, right? And it, and the workouts and all that. If I could go back and like focus on one sport, I'd probably pick golf just because like, you know, come on, it's golf, right? Yeah. There's a lot of money in it, you know, if you get pretty good and like, you know, it's not super strenuous. Uh, but if you could go back and pick, would you still pick hockey or is there another sport that you love? No, I, I would probably pick hockey. I, I mean, my, not to get too deep, but like my love of the game of hockey probably ended like midway through playing pro. Yeah. Like, believe it or not, I played at the highest level in the world and it made me stop loving the game because once yeah. you get the politics and the business involved, yeah. um, but no, I still like wake up and play in men's league hockey games. Like I still love putting my gear on. Um, I, I I do truly like love the game of hockey. And it's funny you say that my wife, when I retired, she's like, what's going on with you? And I'm like, I'm kind of going through a breakup. Like hockey was my first love. You were not my first love like hockey yeah. was. Yeah. So like, I actually need some time to mourn. It sounds pathetic, but it's like all I've done my entire life was eat sleep and breathe hockey and they're both very expensive marriage and hockey so i thought that was uh that was funny too yeah. at least you get something from hockey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true so true nice okay so you're coming up you're playing a bunch of sports as a kid but then like eventually like like when did when did it start to turn on for hockey right like because eventually hockey would kind of take over and would the other sports get kind of thrown aside? Like, do you remember when that happened? Yeah. Once I, once I started really playing travel hockey, 
Um, and travel hockey has drastically changed too. Like travel yeah. hockey now is a 12 month commitment. Travel yeah. hockey when I was growing up was still only like nine, 10 months. So you right. still had summers off. There wasn't a whole lot going on. Yeah. Um, but once we had started getting into travel and practices, it was, oh, you know, I got a baseball game on a Tuesday night and a practice. I got to go to hockey. Mm -hmm. um, but the coolest thing for me was I went and did a year at prep school and prep school model is every seat, every um, season fall spring winter you have to play a different sport it's mandatory oh. so i remember you know basically playing travel hockey really focusing on hockey and then i get to prep school and they're like well you have to play three sports so i did you know weightlifting in the fall because that could translate to hockey and then it just seemed like everybody who plays hockey plays lacrosse yeah. and i picked up so much from lacrosse that helped me in hockey um, and that was like one of the most fun years i've ever had at 16 years old being in a seven-day boarding school playing prep school <laughs> or playing uh playing different sports so so i'm interested to so from i have like a outside was the third sport oh it was weightlifting weight lacrosse weightlifting hockey oh you had to play three total okay <laughs> yeah weightlifting yeah. Hockey i had to play four <laughs> oh, wait yeah. hold on a second so you end you're in a prep school now and you're 16 where's the prep well, school at hold on hold on how how did you get into the prep school though right. like you were playing travel and i talked to a buddy like recently at work and he said like he knows a guy whose kid plays on the travel team and they're like going to london and stuff and like traveling all over were you doing that on the travel team or was it you kind of just played in the northeast area and again everything is totally changed but i'll just give you the quick cliff notes on my my path so everything happened for very late for me and everything happened for a reason so i basically played roller hockey floor hockey in, in Philadelphia and someone kind of was always just like the right place at the right time try your kid in rollerblades try your kid on ice skates um played in like an in-house league worked my way out to travel single a then made a double a team um and it was very much like that the teams in Philadelphia we would basically play 10 other teams in Philly and we were the best team like we were not being challenged and eventually yeah. I got on the team with a coach who said if any of these kids have any chance of you know to progressing and moving out of the city for scholarships any hockey they need to get out of the area and we need to play some like some teams we need to go to toronto we need to go to ottawa we need to go to boston yeah. so he like really dedicated sending us up to those areas and we got our teeth kicked in but it was very eye-opening for yeah. us being like sure we're the best team in philly but that doesn't mean doesn't yeah. mean shit when yeah. you when you're playing these other teams yeah. um so that exposure started to open my eyes to like maybe there's more than just being in Philadelphia and playing hockey like to be totally honest with you like the, the peak for me was to like go to like Newman College and play D3 like that was like the NHL to me because I just didn't know anything else like if I could have played for the Philadelphia Phantoms like that was like the NHL oh, to me I don't know yeah, yeah. I don't know why it's just like how I was raised in this bubble yeah. so all that exposure got me into a prep school Wyoming Seminary in Kingston PA wasn't a school to be a priest just has a fancy traditional name Okay. Um, and for me, it was an independent prep school. It was all about exposure. And obviously price and financial aid played a huge role in me going there. Sure. Um, and that's, you know, I'm 16 years old and I'm just learning like, Hey, maybe I have a shot to just get a, to get a scholarship. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like to catch you up to speed of how I got to prep school was yeah. it just so happened that we were playing games out of the area and I just felt like my best way to get a division one scholarship was to go to prep school. And obviously after prep school things just exploded and we can go over that yeah did, well did did you play but there was no like school teams you played on before it was always just travel or was there like no a... i i also played i went to archbishop carroll my freshman oh, okay. and, and sophomore year okay. um we won a state championship for hockey as a freshman oh, um, so, oh wow okay yeah so 
we came out to Pittsburgh and we won a, a state championship. We had a, a very good team, but you know, same thing like high school hockey. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty much whoever has the most travel hockey players on their team is the best. It's not yeah. like very well organized or structured by any means. Yeah. yeah. Did you play? Did you play at the Hershey Bears Arena? You would eventually play there, right? Yeah, eventually played there, but it, they didn't make it as cool as they do now, where they have yeah. these neutral sites for state championships, where they go year in Philly, year in Pittsburgh, yeah. year at Hershey Park. Yeah, I feel like too. Like I mean, I uh, from what I and this is again outsider's point of view, but when you're coming up playing the travel and all that stuff, it's got to be so expensive to be just to even play hockey as right. Like, like I know you, you know, obviously you were trying to help as best you could, but like, I mean, and I know your dad too, but it like, it had like, that had to be crazy. Like the amount of just like time and investment that went into travel hockey. Right. Insane. And and when I look back, like I, my dad is like a hundred percent of the reason why I had success. I mean, you look at a guy who, you know, worked for the post office, got up at four in the morning, um, worked from 5.00 AM till one, um, tried to close his eyes for 45 minutes. And then we're hopping a car in a car and driving in rush hour from Roxborough to Westchester for practice on a Tuesday. Yeah. Then we do it again on a Thursday. Then we have high school hockey on Friday. Then we're in Boston Saturday and Sunday. We get back at one in the morning and he's up again for work on Monday morning. Like talk about like, like blue collar, like a big, big heart, you know, Um, heart of gold. And he had every reason to just say, you know what kid, like financially, this is wearing us down. I have two sisters. We're trying to get through college. Like, I'm so sorry, but like, we just can't. And I, and at that point I would have been like, I get it. I get it, dad. Like, thanks for, for doing your best. Like, um, but yeah, that's like, when I look back at my career, like my mom held the fort down when my dad was gone, but my dad made like the ultimate sacrifice for me to be successful. And he, he's not one of those dads who was like, my kid needs to play in the NHL. He knew just as much as me, which was nothing. It was just loved watching me play ice hockey and wherever that got me was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. And I'll tell you what, your dad, he is a great dude. Shout out, shout out, Mr. T. Steve T. Oh man. He's the best. So I, so that must've been a tough decision though. Like you're 16, you've been at high school for two years and now you're going to transfer high. How far away is Wyoming seminary? It was only in Scranton PA. So it was, it was two hours, but no, I mean, I, I basically sat there as a junior in high school and just decided to give up everything. Like I, I never went to prom. I have like, you know, I don't have the high school bond that like you guys have. I never, I never walked in a graduation. Um, I basically just like picked up my life and just left. And fortunately, like I was ready for that. I was very mature as a kid. It wasn't like intimidating. Of course I got homesick, but, um, it just felt like at that time, like, you know, I plateaued in Philadelphia and my dad was like very comfortable with like the financial aid part of things. And it was almost like my first time to be like, relax, dad, just enjoy hockey. Like I'll take it from here. If that makes sense. Yeah. It kind of took a little burden off of him too. And from, and like, it seemed like, I know your, your sisters obviously, and they were, it seemed like a very family supportive unit. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're the youngest too. So everyone's like, let like behind you supporting you, which is great. But isn't there a thing where if you go, if you went to the prep school, doesn't that eliminate your college eligibility or is that not, is that not? So what you're, I think what you're thinking of, and and that's what happened after prep school is um, 
prep school is 100% like you can, that's where you get scouted to go to college. Yeah. And for me at that point, you know, you, there's a lot of noise in sports, right? Mm-hmm. Parents talk a huge game about how great their kid is and oh, where yeah. they're going. So oh, yeah. we would constantly hear about player X and player Y who's um, go, I've got a division one scholarship, a verbal commitment. And I'm sitting here at 16 turning 17 with, you know, nothing presented to me. Obviously I wasn't like this phenom, like Crosby. I still was raw and, and needed to work on my skating, but um, I just wasn't presented with like all of those opportunities that quote unquote, everybody else had. Yeah. Um, and that's when I got drafted in the Ontario hockey league, uh, which is juniors in Canada. There's, there's three leagues. There's one in Western Canada, Ontario, and one in Quebec uh, in Eastern Canada. And they're pretty much the best junior hockey leagues in the world. But um most Canadian kids, their vision is to play there, get drafted. They already know their path to get there. Me, yeah. no idea, but I get drafted and I'm told, you know, this is this is your six foot four at 17. We're going to turn you into a man. If you have any chance of like playing pro, this is where you need to be. Yeah. But you're getting paid, so you lose your college eligibility. So it was this huge sacrifice yeah. that I had to make a really tough decision at, at 17. And turns out through the negotiations of my contract with them, my dad said, you know, I want my kid to have school taken care of. Well, they said, Steve, if he doesn't play pro hockey, we will give him four years at Penn State. We will pay for him to go to Penn State for four oh, years. So it's wow. like, oh. go play junior hockey. Yeah. Focus on hockey. Yeah. This is the best league in the world. And if it doesn't work out, we're going to send your kid to Penn State. That's honestly the best the best deal you could ever get. Really. Ever. And yeah. it was free gear, free housing. Yeah. It was gone. Yeah. It was it. I, I left. Did you, and you're like, you're a young kid, like 16, 17, you're the only boy in your family. You have like, you know, two sisters, mom and dad, you're aware of like the financial hardships that this has taken. Was there any pressure on you? Like, I know you're in it for the love of the game too, at this point. And like, obviously you're seeing some success and that's very motivating, but was there ever any motivation of like, I want to get this money back. I want to be, you know, like, I want to be able to financially stable and, and help my family if they need it. Or like, accomplish this because of all my family has done for me it was that ever going through your mind at this stage I, I think that was like the greatest attribute of my dad like knowing more about my dad as an adult like we always joke like he's overly fiscally responsible like borderline cheap <laughs> yeah, yeah. but he had never borderline. At, 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 <laughs> at, at no point during my life did he ever make me feel like money was like a problem wow. and I never had to live or feel that burden at all yeah. and I think that's like one of the main things I respect the most about him is you know very easily could have had that pressure of like you know the tan grady name this is you like you need to but it was just bury his head do his job work and i never at one point like felt like i was deprived of of anything and i think that's the coolest and um greatest thing i could say about him and it's funny we talk about two sisters like i remember my sister nicole like when I went to prep school, she would go out and buy clothes for me. She'd go and buy me like a Lacoste yeah. or a polo shirt just so I yeah. could fit in with the preppy kids. Like yeah, yeah. she made a sacrifice. My sister, Heather, like always doing things to support me. And I, I, they were like the greatest siblings you could have. And a part of me thinks like if I had a brother, maybe I wouldn't have gone because yeah. they're a lot older than me. Of course, we had a great relationship, but it was never like, yeah. you know, I love them. They love me. Like, go do your thing. There was yeah. never like don't leave me. I'm your brother. You know, like it's go ahead, go ahead and chase it, you know? And I think that was awesome. No, that is great. But I mean, it just shows like it takes a village. And I think this is like, you know, I I think a lot of sports athletes out there, like, you know, professional athletes, people don't realize the amount of everybody sacrifices and everybody contributes. And yeah, it's one person that makes it there, 
but it takes everybody to get them. You know what I mean? Yeah, it and sounds it, like with your family, the way your family dynamic is, if you did have a brother, he'd be just as supportive as everyone else. It just seems yeah. like that's how your family is, which is amazing. Yeah. Well, that's kind of how your cousin is, right, Chris? Would you say? That's like, yeah. How, yeah. He's like, my, he was my brother. I mean, he was a basketball player. We had a great relationship. Um, but that's, I mean, that's a Tan Grady's. I think we're all yeah. just like extremely independent people. We love hard. We fight hard. Yeah. Um. You know, but we're just all like very comfortable in our own skin and very independent. And I think that's what you know allowed me to like take that leap and and just just dive headfirst and and go for it. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I. That's great. Yeah. I, so N- Nicole actually told me this the other day. Did you see the movie Hustle yet with Adam Sandler? I have not. So uh-huh. it's it's based in Philly, and he runs up. I think it's Crams. Did you? Did your dad used to make you run up crams? She said he did. They have a so whole it's... training scene where they drop them off at the bottom. Me and Nicole are watching it. She's like, oh, my God. My dad used to do this to Eric all the time. And so <laughs> they're at the bottom, and they just keep training running yeah. up this hill. Yeah. He had to it's, get it in it's, two minutes or something. It's, right? it's so funny. Yeah. my She sent me a, a text about it and said, you have to watch this scene like with a bunch of like laughing faces. And it was it. My dad, he, he just had one rule. Like, you give – you work. If you don't yeah. work hard on the ice, like that's it. I don't care yeah. if you score. I don't care what happens. But if you're going to just mope around on the ice, well, I'm going to be ticked off. Yeah. So our role was always like if I had a game and I didn't move my feet and I didn't skate hard and didn't try hard, he would drop me off the bottom of the Maniunk <laughs> wall, which everyone knows the bike race. Yeah. And he'd yeah. say, see at the top. Oh, and wow. we would. So I, I remember playing games on a Sunday, exhausted didn't get the feet going, wouldn't have a conversation at the car. And I knew exactly where we were yeah, headed. Yeah. Park the car, drop me off. See at the top kid, yeah. go all the way to the top. And I'd, I'd run that thing. And, um, I've, I've done it plenty of times, but it really like, <laughs> I mean, in today's society, the people would be like, Oh, that's abusive. Oh, no, yeah. like, no, like, that's, no, these yeah. kids have never faced any adversity. And that's yeah. why, you know, we've I kind agree. of gone soft as a society. Um, stuff like that putting the work yeah. boots on is kind of i got that was, uh, and there's nothing wrong with him doing that either like him doing that is like also sending you a message like hey like we're all in the, you know like get your shit together this everyone's sacrificing for you here like you know yeah. you're like he or he's sac- like you know he's he's made an investment in a way right and he's not gonna have his investment wasted because you want to be lazy kind of right yeah right yeah, yeah. Which is- it is funny because parents sometimes have like a certain catchphrase or, or tagline they use for sports. Like yeah. our dad used to always like yell certain things like at the same time. And like, what wasn't he, didn't he have like a symbol that he would just stand near the, the glass? Yeah. And- yeah. So this was, this was move your feet. And then this, this was hit somebody. <laughs> so, so for, um, for those, for those listening, he does like the rolling fist for move your feet and he uh, punches his fist in his hand for, for hit somebody. So your dad's standing on the outside of the glass looking at you like, what's going on? Yeah. And he, and he's a big guy. So, yeah. I mean, his head, his head was over the glass and some games <laughs> it felt like he was breathing over me, but yeah. again, right. He was not going to let any of us underachieve. So yeah. he had some, he had standards and at whatever, ever cost that. it was to make a fool of himself in a hockey rink to get his kid moving, hey. whatever. Looks like, hey, it looks like it, it paid off, man, you know? So, okay, so let's keep moving then. So you go, the how, and how was the year at prep school? Good? Pretty good? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. it was amazing. It was nice. it was the coolest thing ever. I mean, it's first time I got exposed to, like, uh, a little bit of, like, a different world, right? Like, yeah, everybody's yeah. driving Oxford cars, to, and yeah. everybody's, like, you know, dressing to the nines every day at school. It was, uh, it was, it was your typical prep school experience. Um, 
hard to leave, but at the same time, like hockey focused, yeah. had to move on and advance yeah. again. And you knew going into it that it was only for a short amount of time, right? Like you knew like this is a year and then we're going. So, right. okay. So your dad and you make the deal of you go to the pros, doesn't work out. You got Penn state on the back burner, but, or so you go to, and I'll tell you this, like, so in Pennsylvania wrestling is by far, it's the best in the nation, right? So Canada hockey up there, it's, it's gotta be a different level, right? Like when you went up there, like, yeah, you're the, you know, you're the big, you're, you know, big fish, small pond down here, like you were saying, but when you went up there, like how much of a smack in the face, like, you know, game check, like what, like how, how drastic was the difference? Oh, it was, it was night and day. Um, you know, I get up there, uh, I go to the arena. Uh, I'd been there before to watch a game, but this town is, I don't know, 50, 30, 40,000 people. And we have a 3,500 seat arena that was completely sold out for every game. Um, very um, rustic, you know, your traditional, like when you watch junior hockey movies, like yeah. this is Belleville, Ontario. Yeah. Um, our slogan was need more cowbell. Uh, so they just would, ha- <laughs> they would, they would hammer, hammer cowbells. And like I said, craziest experience. Um, 20 teams across Ontario. Every rink is sold out every single game, 68 game schedule, travel. Mm-hmm. Um, it was literally like the average age is like 16 to 20 kind of thing, 16, it was 16 to 21. So it's a huge jump of, um, Oh, that's a, yeah. You're playing against like, yeah. If you're a 16 year old kid, you're barely developing and you're going against a 21 year old kind of man. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was like the biggest culture shock to me. Like I would run around and hit people. Um, I had a full cage on in Philadelphia. Like you, you even drop your gloves, you get suspended for two games. I mean, now I'm wearing a half shield. Um, you know, my first couple games I'm hitting people and someone just comes around and drops their gloves and just starts feeding me. And I'm like, okay, like I knew there was fighting, but like my mind just couldn't process like, this is like a real live fight. So I got my, (laughs) my face punched in for like two and a half months. Yeah. at 17 years old by 2021 year olds and i'm like kind of like survive or die like it's not yeah. not that deep but in the sense it's like kill or be killed that's yeah. like the yeah. ma- ma- mindset of yeah. you're gonna play here you better put some hair on your chest and at least yeah. if you're in those fights you're gonna get beat up like i'm gonna try to get two or three in which yeah, yeah. you know like in any other sport the, the the attempt to come near fighting is like you're suspended for a long period oh, of time now for sure now i'm i have a 20 year old look me in the eyes and just trying to kill me and it was yeah like you had no choice but to just grow up really, really fast. Yeah. What, I'll and- tell you as a, as a, sorry, Matt, as a uh, fan, I used to love the fighting in hockey. Yeah. And then after going to some of your games, I just hated it. I'm like, why are they fighting? It doesn't make sense. Just because we've seen you get in a couple fights and you just are sitting in the stands like this sucks so bad. And then uh like then you see every fight you see after that you're like that's someone's that's someone's family yeah <laughs> and you're like why is this allowed you know what i mean in this sport and no other sport you never had that thought tom when you would come to a boxing match or anything like that when I was there, you know? well eric's a handsome guy you right, have- sure yeah, and, my yeah. nose. You already but, damage was done. Yeah, yeah. What Justin, you said my nose is uh, nose looks is like it's taking take a lead it. second base. Yeah. Uh, okay, so all right, but so, do you do you kind of remember a time like you're 16, 17, like you're saying, and like you know, it's uh, like I'll say this: like if you watch basketball or something like that, like they'll be jawing at each other and like pushing and shoving. 
But I remember even guys like saying it like no one in the NBA wants to fight. Like it's all bullshit. But up in in you know in hockey, it's not. It's actually like that's how you get a job. Like look at Bizonet and all those guys. You know what I mean? Like guys like that. Like that's how they're gonna make the team and they know it, right? Like mentally, how did you prepare yourself? Like, especially early on when you're not used to it down here and they've been living it their whole lives up there. That's how they play. Like, was there a time where you're just like, look, I'm like, this is enough is enough. I'm, I'm not doing like, I'm going to get my shit into like, like, do you kind of remember mentally preparing for that or how that went? Cause I mean, that's a big, big shock. Plus two, you're alone up there. Like right. there had to be some phone calls back to dad, like, God damn it, dad. Like what the hell? Like, you know, or anything like that. Like what's going on? Yeah. So I remember when I first got there, I really, really struggled. Like it was a yeah. totally different game. I mean, yeah. we're talking, I played on the 16 year old team. I'm playing against 16 year olds. Say I'm the best 16 year old. Sure. I could have been the best 17 year old in the league, but that still makes me like, the bottom 25% of a hundred in the, <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. you know, that, that just being the best wasn't enough. So I had to really yeah. like learn how to like play the game the right way. Like start to obviously always like felt like I saw the ice well, but like learn that, you know, there's a lot more to ice hockey than me just taking the puck and trying to run people over and go to the net. Yeah. Um, so I remember like probably two, three months into the season, I barely, I didn't have any goals, barely getting any points. My minutes were going down and we were in practice and I just kind of like had it. Like I was just like generally in practice you go through the motions, but like a, a veteran guy started cross-checking me. I cross-checked him back and he dropped his gloves. And then in practice, it was just like, we're fighting. And yeah. I remember like, that was the first time I kicked the crap out of somebody. Oh! Um, and it was my own teammate. Yeah. And the coolest part of ice hockey, and I didn't learn it until it took a while, but like we fought. He's bleeding everywhere. He gets up, he shakes my hand and he's like, welcome to the Ontario league. Like he uh, actually fought, he, he, he actually that. fought me for my own good. Like he knew that to yeah. make Eric Tangrady a better version of himself, I have to fight this kid in practice. And I yeah. thought that was the coolest thing. Name's yeah. Jeff Levitt. Like uh, I think he's out. a fireman now in Ontario. Like what a move by that guy. Like what uh, a leader to say like, yeah. this kid is underachieving. He needs to toughen up. Yeah. I'm going to try to fight him in practice. Yeah. And he got beat up and it was like, that's, this is, that was like my coming out party. Like, yeah. here we go. Yeah. No, that's great, dude. That is awesome. Cause he saw there was some dog in you and he's like, look, this yeah. guy just needs to get the little dog out of him. And as soon as he does, we're going to get a better player. That's great. Uh, Tom, what'd you have to say? Do you remember like the first time that you initiated, you dropped the gloves in a, uh, in a game that you went, uh, said, all right, I'm oh. fighting this dude. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. The, the the next game after I had that fight <laughs> with that teammate, it was like, you know, it's, it's almost like, like you get your first go. street fight. You get in your first Man, street fight. Now. You get hit a couple times. You don't feel it. And you're like, kind of addicted to this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I kind of want to do it again. Yeah. That you're was like, pretty I'm not cool. made so, of glass. Yeah, yeah. I remember the next game just like cloud nine, 17 years old, just running around, like yeah. finishing checks and like, who wants one? Who yeah. wants one? Yeah, yeah. And. I went on a streak of like 10 games where I got in a few fights and it was awesome. And then of course, like anything three weeks later, fought somebody that was six foot seven and found out he was a lefty mid fight and he beat the crap out of him. <laughs> that settled me down a little bit. Yeah. 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 Every, hey man, everyone needs an ego check. Go ahead. Justin. Yeah. Our, uh, our, our mutual friend, he played juniors. And I remember the first time he was, a, cause that's the first league you were allowed to fight in. He came home. Cause I would, I would hang out with his other brother too. Mm -hmm. I'm over his house. He came home from hockey and he was like, Ray is there. He's like, I beat the shit out of this. He was so, and he was a let, he was a lefty too. So six, yeah, seven. I, 
the way you like <laughs> grab hands no, like, no, no. yeah you can benefit and like the way they started swinging he's like dude it was awesome i was like good for you man good for you to you, you talk- get to fight in your sport you talking about willis yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. kyle came in pumped yo he's like they let me beat the shit out of somebody nice yeah it, it's, it's it's really cool i mean at the same time though the guys who had to do that for a living like when you talk about the national league and some of these guys who play like the bisonets i mean he tells some stories that make you cringe where yeah. you know he's waking up in the morning and he knows the other team has the toughest guy in the league and he's watching videos on youtube how this guy fights yeah. like in what world of a hockey game are we turning this into a basically a full-on boxing match where two guys are studying each other's fight film like the, there was no puck on the ice it was yeah. That to me was like very, that's very scary to think about, like having to fight some of the toughest guys in the world on skate. And that's your one job. Like those guys, unfortunately, that's why I think they have like addiction problems because all they were trying to do is turn their minds off because the stress and the anxiety of like, you know, this could be my last game if I get hit wrong. Like it's terrible. Yeah. And the embarrassment, maybe, you know, your yeah. ego check. No one wants no. to get knocked out, you know, yeah. and it's just like a scary thing. Is there a guy, would, would he be the guy or is there a guy that you would say was the toughest? Like, do you have a guy that you're like, man, this guy was the toughest guy going? I mean, when I came in the league, it's changed a lot now. Everybody's fourth line had at least one or two guys that yeah. were like yeah. mean, mean, mean yeah. guys. But if you get a chance to, to YouTube Brian McGratton fights, I mean, this guy would was a killer and what made him the scariest is you could literally grab on and swing as hard as you could directly between his eyes and he would just blink and look at you and be like cool like (laughs) you know and those are the guys those are the guys that are the scariest because you hit somebody as hard as you can all right and and let's say a boxing match like he's going down fight's over yeah. Not to say that we're tougher, they're not, but like for this guy to just take one right on the chin oh, as yeah. hard as you could ever see it, and he just shakes his head and smiles, like, yeah, that's some scary shit. Yeah, that's some crazy. Like, yeah. wow. <laughs> so, I mean, I've been in fights too where like a guy does like the head shake, like, you know, I know there's sometimes you can tell he's bullshitting when it really did hurt him, but he's trying to play it off like did. But there's some guys that you're like, oh, that didn't hurt him. Oh, no. That was my best shot. (laughs) This is going to be a long night. But also, if you're, I've been on the reverse side of that where I've eaten some big shots and just walked right through them. And then, like, you do see it really affect them and how they fight. But, you know, it is what it is. Would you say, uh, or have you, uh, like, I want to ask this now. What is your, do you have a favorite hockey movie that you've seen? Um, It's almost like, I have like PTSD from hockey movies. Like I said, I spent my entire teenage yeah. young twenties on a bus watching movies. Yeah. Um, and we're talking like, Hey rookies, what movies did you bring? Oh, we brought Slapshot, Youngblood, uh, <laughs> Wedding Crashers. Like it was like a rotation <laughs> of the same five movies. And I can like, yeah. sometimes I hear them in my sleep. Like, yeah. Like, okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I and think... it's on the way to a game. You're watching this, right? Yeah, right. We have, me right. and Tom have the same thing for the Rocky soundtrack from when we were kids. Can't listen to it ever again. Getcha. Nice. Yeah. But um, no, I think obviously like Miracle on Ice is like cool because yeah. I think that was kind of the 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 America's like welcome to the hockey party, right? Mm-hmm. Like we were never looked at as a hockey state or a hockey country. Yeah. Um, obviously some of the best athletes in the world, but not everybody like loved and grew into understanding what hockey was, and yeah. that kind of changed America's you know mindset on hockey being like amazing and awesome and cool yeah. and yeah. um being a true story like i think i think that movie was done really really well mm-hmm. and to me like i could still watch that and think it's like 
an awesome movie that gives me chills. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen, uh, there's a documentary on Netflix called Crimes and Penalties. It's about the uh, Danbury Trashers. You did the yeah, Trashers. That, was, that was awesome. Oh, I mean, so good. Awesome, but at like the same time, right? Like basically leveraging mob money and using tough guys to just kill each other on the ice and disregard the, the sport of hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's awesome to the outside person, but yeah. Like the one, the one guy got like a death threat, you yeah, know? Like, like that. But like that's kind of crazy because that's what two thousand four, maybe two thousand three, when that's happening. So not not yeah. that long ago. So that like that, you know, there's that kind of aspect to hockey because you wouldn't see that in baseball or football or any like. There's no like mob mob ties to a lot of that stuff. But right. to think like hockey has that. Did you ever run into anything like that when you were in juniors? Like any kind of sketchy stuff like that? No, but um, some of the stories, I know the tail end of my career when I played in, in the, the Russian, the Russian Super League. So um, I was just going to ask. I was like, did you play in the Russian Junior Did you do the everything, everything they say about Russia is correct. It's like the wild, wild west of hockey. Um, that league is so corrupt and so messed up. It's wow. basically... It's basically a billionaire's fantasy football league. They wow. all have billions of dollars and all the employees that they pay 10 cents an hour, they give them tickets, season tickets to the games just for like their quality of life. Like we would come into these cities and there was so much pollution, you couldn't see the sun. Like it'd be three o'clock in the afternoon and it was dark because of how polluted the city was. Like we were wearing, we were wearing N- N95 masks to games because of pollution like this is before covid like i I remember having three boxes of masks because of how much pollution there was over in russia um but like these games you would go we were our team was out of kazakhstan and um (laughs) it's funny borat if he ever showed up in that country would be murdered like i'm not even joking like if you mentioned that the first thing they said to me when i got there was like if anybody asks you about the movie borat say next question because it's like bad here like it's funny to think about it but like they scare you in the sense yeah. of they hate him so much of how he portrayed their country. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we would go play a game in Russia. And I remember we scored a goal with one minute left and the other team challenged it for goalie interference. We look up at the jumbotron and nobody's within a foot of the goalie and they disallowed the goal and said goalie interference. The ref came over to our coach and just said, it's KHL, it's KHL. And then that we, <laughs> the game was still tied. Like oh my God. full on like fixing games. There's stories of teammates in the playoffs saying the other team paid the refs $15,000. Do you guys want to match it? So the game will be fair. And the players were like, yeah, like go ahead. And to the owner, like, yeah, go ahead and match it. He's like, no, no, I'm not matching it. Like you players need to match it. And they're like, what do we do? So sure enough, they matched it. The refs got $30,000 and there was two penalties called in the game. One on the home team, one on the away team. Like wow. very, very corrupt. Um, <laughs> How do you get a job reffing in Kazakhstan? Oh, I need to... <laughs> yeah, how it? Jeez. Wow. Did you ever do the, uh, or see the Russian gas that they talk about that? Uh... Oh yeah. I mean, I never did it. I was terrified when I got there. Um, there were all kinds of things. Like we had, we had mouthwash cups full of like 10 pills and they're like, you take, you take. I'm like, well, what is it? No, you feel good. You feel good. I'm, like, I'm not taking this. Yeah. Um, and then other guys, like guys that have been there for a couple of years, like, no man, like take it. Like it was basically like ephedrine and like B12, like 20 yeah. times the amount of like B12 yeah. caffeine. Like these guys are hearts are about to implode after yeah. games. Yeah. Um, because of this stuff. And and one more story about there. We we had a game 
we played in uh, Shenzhen, China, and it was a 22-hour flight. Not, oh. not 22 hours away, 22-hour flight. So oh. we had a layover in Mongolia, which beautiful airport in Mongolia. It looks like uh, just landing in a farm. Uh, <laughs> So we got, the trainer goes around with these little bags rolled up, like just picture like a bunch of pills rolled up in a, in a saran wrap, clearly look like probably a really bad narcotic. Yeah. And he's got 10 of these pills and he's like, he's like uh, relax kit, you take relax kit. I'm like, guys, what is in a relax kit? They're like, it's melatonin. It's something to lower your blood pressure. It's Ambien, um, um, like two other pills that are prescribed. So I'm playing in a card game with the Swedish guy who took the relax kit. And it's his turn to call how many tricks that he gets. And all of a sudden you just see like his eyes go in the back of his head, like he's dead. And he just falls asleep on the spot. we <laughs> <laughs> uh, mid card game. And he's like, he's like, uh, I'm going to call uh, back and passes out. I was like, not taking that, yeah. not taking the, the happy yeah. energy pills, not doing Russian gas. Guys are doing IVs before games by a, you- a trainer who's probably qualified to be a, I don't even know, yeah. a horse, he's a horse doctor, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have any, like, guinea pigs on the team that you were like, all right, Joe, you take it, we'll yeah. see how it works with you, and then we'll decide if we take it? Like, yeah, you drink the water. Yeah. Well, we had five North American guys on our team, which made yeah. the experience, like, a lot cooler. So yeah. we always would speak through a translator, but all the, all the local Russian and, and Kazakh players would take everything and do everything. And when I tell you these guys were the strongest, fastest, most in shape hockey players you had ever seen in your life, they just had no toolbox. Like they would just literally skate around like their pants were on fire and like not, not know how to pass the puck, yeah. not know how to play. But man, were they fast and man, were they strong. So yeah. it was like that game did not suit me at all. I had to, I left after like six months, uh, but it was just it was very, very. I mean, sorry to go on, but that was no. my story of like what can compare to playing under like a mob boss. Well, no, but like. <laughs> But uh, like I've heard too, like uh, Biznet tells a story about one of the goalies because they would pay in cash that he had to cut open his pads, hid the cash in his goalie pads, and then to come back to the U.S. because like he was scared like something would happen to it. Were they like on when they paid you? Was it like did you get like 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 was it cash? Like what the hell was it? What's going on? So fortunately, it was starting to get better. We would get direct deposit. Once okay. a month, okay. once a month, but we had multiple times where payment was late yeah. and it just so happened that payment was late in the middle of a five game losing streak. Um, uh, and you know, we're basically, you get paid on September 1st and now we're looking at November 15th and we're, you know, essentially already behind we're into December and then they just say don't worry like it's coming it's coming it's coming like how are we supposed to trust these people because when you go over there you're not going over there to like advance your career and try to play in the NHL you're going over there for one reason to make a ton of money you can make way more money as a, a minor leaguer to play over there and when money starts coming in late, it definitely changes your perspective on like yeah. how you play the game and how you like feel when you're there. Yeah, man. Were you tight with the other North American guys? Like you guys had to be like, Hey, we're surviving together. Kind of right. Absolutely. Like we were like, always would have lunch, dinner together. Um, we'd always try to make sure like whenever we were going out in town, like we stuck together. Yeah. Um, I mean, for the most part, I did feel like safe, mm-hmm. um, a little bit different this time around. Like I had teammates that were playing over there during that Ukrainian Russian, well, I mean, it's still happening, but they basically were being paid in rubles and they wake up one morning and their money's worth 5% of what it was the day before. Oh, um, I had a guy, they told them like, basically the media over there made that war seem like it was just like training. 
They had no idea. Their phones were tampered. They couldn't access Google. Um, I had a teammate in the middle of the playoffs just hop on a plane and go to um, Dubai just so he could get out because he he didn't really start to understand the severity of it when he tried to book a flight out of there and realized I can't fly anywhere. Wow. Every, there's a no fly zone. They they literally you could not leave Russia. The only places you could go were like more corrupt places. Like you could fly Kazakhstan, you could fly to Dubai, um, pretty much like anywhere in the Middle East you could get to. And then you had to hope that you could get a flight from there back to Frankfurt, Germany or somewhere in the States. That's terrifying. My God. Well, uh, so speaking of like guys, so, but let's get back to, we'll, we'll finish up with juniors real quick. Um, So you're in juniors. Did you have like, like you're up there alone. Was there anyone that you kind of like, like on the team you mesh with? Did you have like roommates? Like how did that work? Yeah. So I live with the host family and I think being, you know, an American on an all Canadian team, they really made an effort to put me with like an amazing host family. So I had two, two school teachers who were very involved with like the rugby program in Belleville. And they were just like the most incredible people on the planet. And then I had a roommate. So the, the most interesting part was like, I had a roommate for three, four months. And then I wake up one day and he calls me and he's like, I got traded. And I'm like, 17 years old. We mean got traded. He's like, I got a pack and I got to go to Sault Ste. Marie. Okay. So you're, you're, you're a kid in high school playing in this league. And now you're packing up, you, you leave your high school and you go 12 hours away and you have to go to a new high school and play for a new team. And that was like, whoa, this yeah. is like kind of like, kind yeah. of business side of it this is real so yeah. i went through like a couple different roommates because my job was safe but other guys that live with me like they yeah. got traded they had shipped one day they're on the team the next day like they're gone but i always had two guys older than me that got drafted um they were kind of like my role models i wanted to get drafted yeah. they were already drafted and the cool thing with hockey is if you're drafted you can still come back and play junior hockey so just to see like how they changed as pros you would call it like started to eat healthy started to like take care of their bodies those types of things it was really cool to look up to Sean Mathias, Matt Bolesky, uh, Corey Tanaka those are guys that were like kind of like my idols in junior nice and that like that kind of stuff like the eating healthy and the working out like that was kind of just the beginning of that when you were when you were in there because when were you in juniors like 06 right 06 07 yeah 2006 to 2009. And I remember, you know, me and me and PK Subban, he was like my best buddy in, in Belleville. Yeah. Um, me and him were like these two chubby little kids who just like, let's just say a little bit chubby kids. that was like saw baby faces that yeah. were just like learning how to adapt to junior hockey. And we always kind of stuck together. And um, he was like probably my best buddy. But yeah, it just took us time to like learn that this is kind of a big deal and to embrace it and try to do our best to like advance our careers. Yeah. Nice. All right, cool. So you did three years there. And by the by the third year, were you kind of like, you have transitioned to not the 17, you're, you know, you're the 20 year old guy, and you're the guy, you know, handing out, you know, meat sandwiches and all that kind of, you know what I mean? Like you're doing the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I I was there at 17, still, you know, had a really hard season, didn't have a lot of points. And then I go into my into the playoffs that year. And at 17, that's your draft year, right? When you turn 18 years old, you're eligible for the NHL draft. And okay. uh, I remember going into the playoffs, just like changing my mindset. Like, you know what? Stop like putting stress on yourself. Just go out and play. What's yeah. the worst that can happen? Like, yeah. you're going to go home and you tried it. And like, so I had an unbelievable playoff. And then I really started to get on the radar for the NHL draft. Like, even though it was my draft year, I never really even considered like, I'm going to play in the NHL. Like, I got these expectations because just everything for me was unknown. 
I never knew like how to get there, what it was going to, what was going to happen. Um, so I had an incredible playoff and right when the playoff ended, I started getting phone calls and it was like, Hey, you need to fly to Montreal. They want to meet with you before the draft. So I'm flying first class to Montreal. I'm staying at the Ritz Carlton and they're wine and dining me. And they're like, you know, tell us about yourself, this and that. And then they're like, okay, you know, 15 minute meeting. They probably spent $2,000 for me to go there and stay 15 minute meeting, send me home. Yeah. And then I'm going to St. Louis. Then I'm going to Tampa. Like, it was just like, whoa, this is pretty freaking cool. This is pretty awesome. Wow. Um, so then going into the draft, they have rankings. And it was like, okay, you're going to be – you're projected to go 90th overall. Wow. So first round's on Friday night. The second through seventh round is on Saturday. So I have a couple meetings on Friday. And I go in. I'm at, you know, the draft. All the teams have hotel rooms. And they just start calling players up left and right. Like, I remember on Friday, Friday morning, it was like, all right, you got Anaheim at 11, you got Dallas at 11.15. Like, it was just like, boom, 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 boom. And I go into my meeting with Anaheim and Brian Burke, who's like one of the most intimidating general managers in, in, in the NHL, yeah. he goes, all right, kid. It's like, you got two minutes to tell me why I should draft you. Go. And I'm sitting there like, Whoa. and I just, you know what? Something just hit me. Maybe the higher spirit. I don't know. It was just like nailed it. Like, probably the best wow. two minute speech that I ever gave somebody like this is where I come from these are the sacrifices I made like all I need is an opportunity I never learned how to work out I never learned how to train but I could promise you right now man to man like I'm gonna play in the NHL one day and he's like all right thanks and I left wow. and my agent's like how'd your how'd your interview with Anaheim go I was like oh, I don't know Berkey like hates me I guess like he yeah. didn't say two words and he kicked me out of the room yeah. so the next day or that same day is the first round and Anaheim starts making all these weird trades they trade from their their 14th pick to their 17th pick but in return they get an extra second round pick at 42 so they take a really long time with their first round pick they pick some kid from uh, Halifax and then the next morning we wake up and I'm just sitting there like all right second round like I'm gonna probably go in the third or fourth maybe the yeah. fifth which is yeah. still incredible yeah Anaheim's on the clock at 42 and they're like with 42nd pick Anaheim selects Eric Tangray I'm like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. like whoa. Get, do my tie up start like my mom like, everyone's like not prepared because we had this whole thing yeah. where you're yeah. going in the third or fourth round or yeah. I get down there. I shake Brian Burke's hand. He's like, I made that trade yesterday and I was 10 seconds away from taking you in the first round, but we're happy. We got you in the second. It was like, Whoa, Whoa. this is like, this is real. This is freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, you're a duck. So then, yeah, I, I <laughs> go back to <laughs> quack, quack, quack. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> What if you just did that? What if Gordon like, Bombay came out and yeah. shook your hand? You know, really himself. What if he was like, you got two minutes and you're just like, quack, quack. <laughs> he just quacked for two minutes. I got a knuckle puck. Yeah. yeah rodeo yeah. people. Yeah. What do you, what do you, two minutes? Go ahead, cake eater. You just yeah, start yeah. going about ducks fly together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, Roosters yeah. are crowing, cows are spinning in circles in the pasture. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You tell them your life story. You're like, well, I was a lawyer at a big firm, and then <laughs> yeah. I got in a little bit of trouble, and I had to coach a minor league hockey team for a little bit, but that really worked out well. But my dream was always to play in the NHL, so I yeah. worked hard. My buddy Hans helped me out. Um, <laughs> shout, shout out Charlie's mom. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, okay. Wow. So, <laughs> 42nd overall pick in the 2009 draft, or 2000? 2007. 2007. So 42nd overall pick in the 2007 NHL draft. Holy guacamole, right? Now it's like looking back, running up those hills, it was all pretty worth it. You know what I mean? Like you're here, you made it like you're, and at this time, like you're, you know, like you're feeling pretty good. You're in good shape. 
you're playing good hockey. Like you still like have some growing and learning to do because you're still young. But at the time, you're feeling pretty good. And like, how awesome was that? Like, like you know, like it must have brought like tears to your eyes just to be able to like all the sacrifices and everything that went into it with your family and everything. Like that must yeah. have been incredible. That moment was amazing, but it's crazy to say like it was almost just pure shock. Like it yeah. wasn't like yeah. I still knew how much work I had to do. And the craziest thing was like that's still in my mind, like wasn't like the welcome to the NHL because right after the draft, I go home to Philadelphia. And I start telling my buddies, dude, I got drafted in the second round. They're like, yo, that's cool. I'm like, what, what, what do you mean that's cool? Like, I was better off being like a 10th rounder to the Phillies than I was being a second rounder in the National Hockey League to the Anaheim Ducks. Like, there wasn't like this big reception when I got home. Like, at that right. point, Philadelphia is still not a hockey city when it comes yeah. to like the youth. They love the Flyers, but nine out of 10 Flyers fans couldn't tell you like where those guys played before they put a Flyers jersey on. And not to discredit True. the city of Philadelphia, they're just a very you know, blue collar direct, like if you're wearing a Jersey, you win. And if not, we don't care. And I, and I respect mm -hmm. that about them as a sports city. Um, but I go to Anaheim, I go to camp and I'm a second round pick and I go to get interviewed and there's two reporters and I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like two reporters, but fast forward a couple, uh, about a year, I get traded to Pittsburgh and Ooh. I go to my first interview with the penguins and there are 30 reporters six Ooh. inches from my face. <laughs> and it's like, there's Crosby, there's Malkin, like, Sure, Getzloff and Perry were like big name NHLers because I loved hockey. But when you look at the NHL, like Crosby is he's, the he's pinnacle in, of, he's of the Jordan. National Hockey League. Yeah, yeah, he's Michael Jordan. Yeah. So that to me, getting traded was like holy crap. Now it's now it's live. Now it's like I, you know, this is legit. Like fan base go to practice and there's 500 people watching a Penguins practice. Like, um, but it was just cool how going back to Philadelphia, like you, I would tell people that I played in the NHL, looking for like maybe an extra pass to the park. Or at the bar, like sneaking in Grand Street Pub underage, being like, yeah, I got drafted by Anaheim. But, and they're like, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it wasn't like that big of a deal. Where in Canada, you tell somebody that, it's like, you need a bottle? You need, you need a table over there? We'll get the whole bar cleared out for you. Draft yeah, pick yeah. here. Come on in, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you go to Graham's. They're like, all right, uh, you got a Newport? <laughs> Instant satisfaction, too, because uh, basketball and football, you get drafted, you start immediately. But baseball and hockey, you get drafted, you go play for another club, and maybe you show up in a couple of years. Right. It's just tough for a lot of – you know what I mean? Like, I know a couple of kids who got drafted in baseball who never made it into league but got drafted by major league clubs. Yeah. So, like, you know what I mean? You come over, you're like, I got drafted by the Cardinals. You're like, cool, when are you starting? You're like, no, no, it doesn't work like that. And you're like, yeah. what? Right. Yeah. So, wait, so then – is, how does it work then for hockey? You got drafted and then you're in Anaheim. How long were you in Anaheim for? Like, So that's the, the interesting part. I got sent back to juniors because I wasn't quite ready to crack the lineup. Okay. Um, so I never actually played a game for Anaheim. So I'm back in junior hockey and um, were, were you, I never did, put the sweater on. So did, it was yeah. like, it wasn't like I never actually represented the Ducks and I played junior hockey for another year and a half and then I got traded. Yeah. So, okay. So, but... Didn't like, you play for the national team too? Up there? Yeah. So in between that, I made the, the U S world junior team, which world juniors is the day after Christmas, they call it boxing day in Canada. And it is like the super bowl for junior hockey. I mean, it's the best kids in the entire world from, you know, under it's an under 20 tournament. So we're Dude, 19 my, and 18 year olds. They go and they play and they compete. And I represented the United States up in Canada. It's the first year they put it back in Canada. And it was 20,000 seat sold out arena. The fans are screaming the national anthem, the Canadian national anthem. Like 
that was the biggest game in my I've ever played in my life was mm-hmm. that World Junior game in in Ottawa. Wow, that's and they're just and it's nuts up there. Yeah. Right? My buddy's right. dad, that was his favorite day of the year. He had Direct TV just for that package. It had all those World Juniors games on, and he that's like his, the day after Christmas was his favorite day. Really? Yeah. So wait a second. Mr. Basically, uh, my, yeah. Mighty Ducks too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty much what it's like mimicked after is, is is that nice so i mean wow that's crazy okay so then when you got sent back down to juniors you weren't like dejected you're just like hey kind of ma- like maybe we knew this could happen maybe not whatever i'm just gonna keep working i know i got what it takes obviously and then then you got sent to fisk right right yeah that it was always like that was the plan like the plan was always go back to juniors, develop, progress. And then at 20, at 20 years old, then that's your chance to move on. That's when you are supposed to go play pro. So I pretty much outgrew junior hockey and the minor league team for the Penguins was Wilkes-Barre Scranton. So that's where my first year pro in the AHL signed my contract and I go play um, pro hockey. Now being 20, turning 21, playing against 30 year olds, was probably yeah. an easier adjustment than being 16 and playing against 21 year olds. I just think oh, that wow. gap of like maturity. Um, so I was not intimidated at all going into pro. Like I was very comfortable in like, you know, my game's going to translate here. Obviously I struggled early on in my career in the minors. Um, I kind of had some roommates that not that they were bad people, but like sometimes you get caught with people in the minors who are just happy to be there and yeah. they want to, yeah. they want to have fun. They want to play their games. They want to drink. They, you know, getting to the next level is not quite like on their mind. So that was an adjustment for me of like, you know, every chance I get a breath, it's not go out and have a drink. It's like pick a time and a place to be an adult and focus on your career. So I had to learn how to be a pro because I mean, prep school, I'm in a dorm. People are looking over me. I'm fed Uh, junior hockey. I got a family who's feeding me dinner every night and taking me places, but then pro hockey, it's like, okay, kid, like you're, you're now an adult. You got to feed yourself. You got to prepare by yourself. Our job is to teach you ice hockey. You come to the rink, we're going to show you video on the opposing team and you got to execute and you got to do it for 82 games. Um, so that was, that was, that was difficult, but yeah, the, the junior into pro was, there were no like surprises. I knew I was going yeah. to do a year in the minors, yeah. but I also felt like I'm ready. And I was very anxious at times and frustrated. Like yeah. I'm the, one of the best players in the American league and I just can't get an opportunity in the NHL. And that was frustrating. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So you're in Pittsburgh. You're, you're learning to be a pro pretty good time to be playing in pit, right? Like you were, you came in, you came in at the right time. You know what I mean? Things are going pretty good. Uh, would you say is, is Crosby the best player you've ever played with? Would you say ever what's most impressive? And I tell people this every time, the most impressive thing about Crosby is everything you see him do on the ice is not a fluke. When he scores some of these tips and some of these redirection goals and, you know, forehand, backhand, like, it's not just because he woke up and God said, you're blessed. It's because in practice, he is the best player on the ice. Every He's the best player on the ice from the first day of training camp to the last day of the year, practice and games included. He goes out 30 minutes early. He works on his own game for 30 minutes. Then he dominates practice. Like he'll lift your stick, check you into the boards. Like it's game on. Every practice, it's game on. And some guys are wow. just built different. Yeah, like everything that he does in a hockey game, he's cracked. So it's not like he's just oh wow, oh he's just so much more talented. Like no, he's earned that. He yeah. has literally earned the right to like 
to be the best player in the world. And that was what was the most impressive thing about him. It wasn't his games. It was his practices. He, he went and like, that just had the, and that's why the team grew. Like he raises the level of a team just with his intensity in the training and everything like that. And he just, wow. So he is like, because like, what you're saying is you get like a rebound or whatever. Some people can say that's luck, right place, right time. But he knows that that's coming because he's seen it a million times and knows like, okay, I have to be in this position for this thing because this might happen here. Wow. That's it. also like he's chestnut checkers. You know what I mean? He's right. Way like ahead he would go game. out. He would go out before practice and the goalies would always go on early and work with the goalie coach. And Sid would always say, I want to shoot. And they're like, why do you want to shoot? He would shoot. And then he'd go ask the goalie, like, hey, when you this shot comes in at your far pad, like, where are you trying to redirect this rebound to? And the guy would say, like, oh, you know, our points are, like, we're trying to kick it to this part of the dot. And so then who do you see the next game go directly to that dot when his defenseman shooting the puck? It's Crosby. So it's not a coincidence every rebound ends up on his stick. It's not a coincidence that he can, like, read the play and – and adapt like he watches film he, he he asks goalies questions he asks defenseman's questions like wow yeah that's <laughs> how smart. do you learn that's, the game yeah. for yeah, the, like, you're the best offensive player yeah. you're the best forward in the game how do you get better well let me ask questions to the goalies and the defense because yeah. if yeah. i can learn what they're thinking then forget yeah. about it yeah that's genius though that is that's he is, that, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, that he is genius. That is, that is impressive. You know what I mean? Cause he does, I mean, especially in Philadelphia, he gets a bad rap. You know what I mean? Like, come on, we've always shit on him. Go ahead, Tom. So playing sports and everything like that and dealing with, um, I just, I had a question. Do you have a theory or do, do you, do you see one that like maybe these great, players have had as far as how they deal with a referee like a lot of times there'll be a penalty or, or something that comes up that you don't agree with a call or whatever and my theory is always trying to like befriend the referee yeah. and get them on my side did they did, did you see one a sp- specific strategy that worked better was going after a referee better was you know what i mean like or or how like any any theory that you had in, as far as dealing with them to maybe get a call go your way or whatever yeah it's funny hockey is the one sport where the refs put up with more shit than any sport on the planet wow. right like you see a baseball guy complain about a call or strike yeah. he gets thrown out yeah. you watch the nba finals and like draymond looks at the guy wrong and he's it's- he's He's got a technical, he's teed up like hockey. These guys will like literally look at the official and scream the nastiest three things to him. And then the next shift be like, Hey man, I'm sorry. He's like, "Eh, don't worry about it. It's all good. (laughs) Like, um, I just think it's like that, the hockey mentality culture, it's just like, it's different. I mean, to answer your question, like Sid, the reason why people hate Sid and Philly is because early in his career, he, he would flop a little bit and then he would, you'd see him complaining visibly to the officiating. Yeah. But the officials like have this internal respect for him that he's the best player in the world. Like he's earned the right to get every call. Um, I found, I agree to your point. Like if you try to treat these guys with respect, they will respect you back. But I also think in moments in the game, yeah. if you just keep taking bad calls and shit from them, yeah, they, they really won't hold themselves accountable. And that's the biggest difference in, in sports. It's almost like the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? Like yeah. if you bitch yeah. at the ref for, if he makes, seven bad calls in your opinion and you're constantly yelling at him he's going to be like holy shit like, i'm just going to put these i gotta put these guys in the power play like maybe i'm doing something wrong where in every yeah. other sport you look at him wrong you're out yeah so you always see hockey coaches complaining you always see the players complaining very rarely can you ever remember a guy getting a 10 minute misconduct unless he like visibly like pushes or like tries to like 
punch through an official in a game. So it's yeah. almost like very, very different in the sense of if you get respect and you complain enough, you're going to get a call. Yeah. 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 So basically abuse the referee, but then say, hey, look, man, I didn't mean it. You know, well, they're like, Canadian mostly. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you right. can be me and they're like, ah, it's OK. You know, but, <laughs> it's well, all I'm, good. Yeah. What, Sorry. So, <laughs> what? Uh, so there's a lot of lingo in the hockey game, right? Like everyone has like a like, you know, like an E at the la end of their name. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Berkey or, you know, Georgie or whatever the hell it is. Or no. Right? Yeah, but like what is and Muppet and like all this stuff, like do you still throw around the lingo? You know what I mean? Or any like like and like honestly, like I feel like the hockey guys are like always so tight. You know what I mean? Like the hockey teams seem like they all love each other. You know what I mean? Like they're all just like so close, you know? Like is that yeah. kind of part of the culture, I guess, or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's truly it's truly one of the only games where like the team is bigger than everything else. Like Crosby doesn't get a hundred points if he doesn't have Malkin, if he doesn't have Latang. But LeBron can give you forty and ten every single night. Yeah. Even if Russ can't make a shot. Yeah. You know, um, it's not in baseball. You know, you can have a fifty home run season and and still finish in last like place. I mean, yeah. I, I or you know, um, there's not these individual moments in a hockey game where like. You can certainly say that Ovechkin takes over a game, but he's got two players making a fabulous pass to make him wide open to score a goal. Yeah. So I think it's this like mentality where you just built with these band of brothers where, you know, um, I don't know if you watched the final game of the Colorado Tampa series, but yeah. two minutes to left in the game, like guys were putting their faces in front of pucks, not the guys that are making like four or 5 million, but the guy that's on league minimum yeah. is playing with a broken leg, trying to block another shot. Like, Jeez. There's just this band of brother respect where any teammate that I've ever had, like if I see him and like, I'm going to go up to him and hug him and like yeah. ask him how he's doing. It's just, I think it's the sport, the grind, the sacrifice that just has this ultimate uh, respect. And to answer your question about the lingo, I had a little bit of a time when I transitioned into like the corporate world where, yeah. you know, I'm, I, I'm talking like a little bit like too nonchalant and like, yeah, like, you know yeah bro like yeah for sure like you know like i'm like you gotta kind of cut yeah, it out you can't be saying that to your to executives yeah 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 uh -huh. yeah yeah, yeah uh, but uh, yeah. i've been in so many places like i'm born in philly i now live in pittsburgh i played in canada like i feel like been to russia whatever the room is i'm like a chameleon i'll start i'll get on the phone with one of my best buddies from from havertown and i'll just be like yo like just go into like this full like Philly thing, and then I'll talk to like Canadian yeah. brothers, like like yeah. like how's it going, eh? Like how's how's the family? How's how how's it going? Everything yeah. good? Yeah. Like yeah. So yeah, I just feel like I've adapted to the room. What would you say is the out of all the places? Because you were in like you didn't you play in Winnipeg too, right? Like, Winnipeg. You've been, you've been in some places. everywhere. What yeah. What? Well, go ahead, Justin. And I was gonna say, do you ever uh, do you ever meet Riley Cote? I have met Riley Cote at a charity charity hockey tournament. I didn't know if he played. It. Yeah, he, I know he was up in Winnipeg. I, I got drunk with him one time at a bar, and he was one of the funniest men I've ever met in my whole life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's he's that's another thing that I mean, I'm biased. I'm a hockey player, but I feel like we're just like very genuine and authentic. No one's going to try to put on an act to be say. something that they're not. Like, like all you, see, the, you see Riley Cote in a, in a locker room, he's going to treat the person he meets at the bar for a beer the exact same way as he's going to treat his teammate, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like all those, like you know, there's kids who like, like there's a certain personality type. I grew up with one of my best friends is a, a hockey player, and like the hockey player is a type. Like wrestlers are a type, baseball players are a type. Like and the hockey players are they're they're cool. 
they're just they're real chill and like yeah. it's like the whole fight like my buddy's like you want to go and i'm like do, do i want to fist fight you in the backyard right now like I, <laughs> if you want to i guess we could go right but like and then you and then you fighting. fist fight and then you're just like okay you shake hands <laughs> and you go back to playing nca football right I, want, I wonder if the fighting has something to do with it it teaches like a humility yeah. you know there is there is uh, uh repercussions and stuff like that and then you you have to learn and, and fight and kind of you get a just a natural respect for other human beings i don't know what's it's what's really like a brother's thing though you know like brothers fight and then brothers get over it friends fight i fought like all my best friends i've fought with them event like at some time or another you like, punched you know. me in the face yeah but then also yeah yeah but then like also like i remember <laughs> watching mm. i remember watching the uh they did a broad street bullies documentary on hbo right and they were both they were talking about the series they had against i believe it was uh boss right or maybe it was new york but either way they're in like a game seven and it's like, this is the toughest game. Like, and they're going back and forth and they really didn't know how they were going to get past them. And there was a fight and it was like, uh, I think it was Bob Hound Kelly was like working this guy, just crushing. Him. And all the other Rangers players are standing around, not doing anything. And the Flyers are like, if that was one of our guys, you better bet your ass someone's getting in there and they're helping them out or breaking it up or doing whatever, right? Like they wouldn't let that happen. And they're like, as soon as we saw that, we knew they weren't a team. We're a team and we're going to beat them. You know what I mean? Like there was that kind of thing. So you have to build that. Like that takes time to build that, that trust and that relationship. And then even the one to fight for another guy, you know what I mean? Like it takes like, you know, mentorship and leadership and, and, you know, just working together and everything like that to come together. You know what I mean? Go ahead, Tom. What is the, uh, what is your daily, um, schedule like as a professional hockey player because oh, you know question. what's funny is i had a uh, i have a theory i was at a concert like a week or so ago and for some reason i'm looking at this guy in cold play and i'm like this guy hates his job like he hates it <laughs> he hates being here right now he doesn't want to be here and when you look at a professional athlete and I think me and you might have had this conversation before. You think, oh, my God, that's so cool. He gets to play at these different stadiums. He goes yeah. to different cities and stuff like that. But you're playing uh, 100 games a year when you're in the playoffs and stuff like that. Yep. And the grind it takes. And and so I guess my question is, what is your daily schedule? Um, and how many surgeries did you have because of hockey? So I guess my two questions. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. So essentially, you, you, you see these hockey guys in the summer and – you know, they let their hair down for like a month and yeah. some of them go on like these absolute benders, right? Where yeah. they're just like at the bar Monday through Sunday. And there's a reason be that that they have to kind of get that release because July and August, we are absolutely training our, our nuts off because we know that the first day of training camp, we are going to go through three and a half weeks of the most miserable experience you could ever go through from an athletic standpoint. Like we are going to skate for an hour and 15 minutes. Then we're going to play an hour and 15 minute scrimmage. And then we're going to do an hour and 30 minute circuit. And this is just day one. And we do that for three straight weeks, oh maybe God. one day off a week. In between then, they have preseason games, which preseason games are basically in my opinion, probably harder than a regular season game because there's no structure. Mm -hmm. And you have, of the 20 guys on each team, 10 of them are trying to fight for a position in the lineup. So yeah. it's like playing playoff hockey in between getting killed sure. for three weeks. So then you get through that and then you go into the season and it's basically a game every other day from October 1st till April 15th. You play every other day. We're talking Christmas, Thanksgiving, wow. New Year's. It does not matter. You don't have a holiday. You basically wake up in the morning. 
you have practice at 10, 1030, you get in there early, you need at least an hour to warm your body up. Yeah. Stretching, rolling, activation, bike ride. Yeah. Then you have your practice. And then when practice is over, you try to get some sort of lift in so you can keep your strength throughout a season. Yeah. Um, then you go home and you try to relax, refuel. And then the next day you have a game. So then a game day is morning skate from 10 to 11, pregame meal, try to lay down and relax. You're at the rink at four o'clock for a seven o'clock game. You're doing the same thing again. You're, you're foam rolling, you're warming up, you're, you're watching video, you're studying the goalie, you're studying, you know, how you're going to play that night. You play a three hour game, you've caffeinated yourself so you can, you know, learn to perform at a peak level at seven o'clock at night. Yeah, so then you yeah. leave the rink at 11, you maybe fall asleep at two in the morning because you're so wired. Yeah. Um, and then you wake up the next day and you do practice the same way you did it before. Jeez. And it is in between there. If you're fortunate enough to play in the NHL after that practice that you just had, you got to drive to the airport, you get on a plane, you fly oh. two, three hours to a city. I've learned to like love and hate cities based off of how far the airport is to the hotel near the rink. <laughs> like, What's the like, furthest? What's the furthest? So the worst is New York city. I mean, LaGuardia yeah. is like 12 minutes from Madison square garden with no traffic and it takes an hour and 45 minutes going down one way streets. You pass your hotel. Yeah. Um, that is by far the most miserable trip. I mean, we would fly from Pittsburgh. We'd leave at two o'clock. We'd, we'd wheels up at two. We'd land at like two 45, three, and we wouldn't be in our hotel rooms like five o'clock. Do you guys all travel together on like a bus? Yeah. So we charter, okay. we would charter plane and then we'd all get on two buses from the airport to the hotel. And that's yeah, all paid I mean, for by the team. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And then in the minors, it's totally different. You're playing a game on Wednesday night at home. Then you're busing six hours to oh. play a game on Friday. Then you oh. bus four hours on Friday night to play Saturday. And then oh. you bus four hours back home to play an afternoon game before NFL football on Sunday, four games in five nights with 1500 miles of travel in between Ooh. it. Uh, and taking a beating in the rink. Like it's yeah, not right, like you're yeah, not yeah. getting crushed. Yeah. Like you're playing you're basketball no grinding, you yeah. know, you're like, Oh my God. And so that's so funny. Cause when I think people think this glamorous life, it's like, dude, no. you're in a circus. You're, you're getting yeah. beat up. Like it is yeah. not like you, you really have to forgiving. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of go through like, you know, there are times in the winter where you, you wake up and the sun's coming up and you go to the rink till like 1231 and then you get home and all you want to do is like lay around before your game. And then you're walking into the rink as it's getting dark. So like seasonal depression in hockey, like oh. I remember looking at the schedule, like December, January and February, you know, you still have playoffs three, four, five months away. Like those are some times where it's like, holy oh, smokes, gosh. like these are really, really tough and playoffs. Yeah obviously like that is the most incredible that's why you play yeah if you have a season yeah. where if i'm home on april 15th and it's like still kind of cold out and none of my buddies are really back from the season like it's awful terrible the yeah. worst thing in the world nothing's better than like a good playoff run but to go into your surgery question i think it's I think it's 11 surgeries in 11 uh, years because um, you were having a surgery every year i remember i was like yeah. this every on summer it's what? like oh he's getting his knee or his hand or his whatever you know Oh, wow. So like, and it was every, so like that one month you got in between before you had to start before training camp, you were in surgery and rehab. Well, I, two, two of the 11 were actually off season surgeries, like just played uh, through pain. Um, not to say fortunately, but like right. the other ones were broken fingers, broken arm, like okay. the, the, those things. And, and what's crazy to say is a normal person 
breaks their finger, they, they, they're out for six, six to eight weeks and oh, it yeah. heals on its own. Yeah. But I am a pawn in a chess game that I need yeah. to get back on the ice in four weeks. Let's put them under the next day. Let's put a plate in and we can get them back on the ice in three weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, I got all kinds of screws and plates in my body just because they wow. wanted to get me back on the ice sooner where I probably said, was no, perfectly you're not fine. on the team, right? Like, like you're, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you have, you have the decision, you have the decision, but it's like a pride thing, right? If I go to them and like, no, I need to take my extra time for my body to heal. Like, no, I want to get back and fight with my brothers. Like I want to get back on the ice as soon as I can. Like I'm like sad puppy. When someone's hurt, it's like the worst feeling as a player because you just know, like it's eating them inside. Yeah. Just watching, watching game. Man. So when you're going through like, like the seasonal depression, like you're saying, the reliance you have on your teammates and your brothers, like that's every right. Like that's probably part of why you guys are so tight and why you stick together. You know what I mean? And like you're saying, imagine if like, uh, you know, LeBron had a broken finger, forget it. You know what I mean? Like they're not playing, you know, they're not getting it. I mean, I, I you think like I'm saying I'm generalizing that, yeah. but yeah, dude, you're trying. And also you're fighting for your livelihood out there. You know what I mean? And your dream and everything and all the stuff you work for and all the, like, I can imagine why you don't want to ride, like, watch hockey movies anymore after 15-hour bus rides and, and all that shit and watching the same movie. Because it's not like you had a phone back then in YouTube. You know what I mean? It was the same five movies all the time. My God, that's tough. Yeah, God, and that's where, like, the fighting the fighting came into it. It's like you go through these stretches of December, January, where the season's just like, ugh. ugh. And you just have a hard time getting up for a game. And then you get a guy in your locker room being like, boys first shift i'm grabbing the toughest guy and i'm gonna fight him it's like holy crap that's amazing now i'm all juiced up for the game right like (laughs) like, stuff like that everybody has a role on the team and it's like those guys make the least amount of money but they provide the biggest spark because you're you know you're in the midst of five games in eight days with travel and this guy looks at everybody in the room and it's like i'm grabbing the toughest guy and we're gonna get this game going like holy crap getting chills right now like you know i'm gonna run through a wall yeah 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 So with all that travel, do you have a, uh, did you have a scariest moment travel by any chance? Any like flight turbulence that was like, whoa, what's happening? Or a bus that like went off the road or anything like that, that was like, holy shit, we almost just died. Uh, Fortunately in North America, like we, we actually had somebody flying like a two seater plane um, get in our airspace while we were landing into, um, I think it was JFK. And we went in, you know, on our way to descend we probably descended for like two three minutes and all of a sudden we just like straight up sideways like and on these charter planes like the stewardess are like really relaxed like it's not like everyone comes and looks to see if your seatbelt's buckled like we're going to the bathroom when we're landing like we're there's no rules literally like five guys like flew out of their seats flew down the aisle because the word was like a little two-seater plane entered our airspace while we were landing. Um, fortunately, nothing happened. But the scariest one, it's not even close. So we were in Kazakhstan and <laughs> minus 30 degrees. And we get on this plane and it's freezing cold, like freezing. Like it feels like it's 30 degrees out. It, they may have fired the engine up like three, four minutes before we got on the plane. And they shut the doors and it's snowing. And we just go right to the tarmac. And I'm like, are we not going to like de-ice? Like they're like, no, like we don't de-ice here. So we took off and I'm not kidding. Like it was the longest, like to, to, to take off from the runway was the longest time I've ever been um, before we like it took off and ascended in the air. And as we're landing, we're going through like a blizzard, the plane's going back and forth, left and right. Like 
we can't see a foot in front of us and we hit the ground and it just feels like all four tires just shatter from the plane we skid out sideways like the the scariest flight of my life and apparently Mm. like one of the wings like froze in the air um (gasps) sure enough that exact same plane took 360 kazakh residents on a flight and it crashed because the wings froze so um literally a week later the exact same plane that we flew in that they didn't the ice crashed right into right off of takeoff nosedived and killed like over 300 people and the news never reported it because that's just how it is over there you tragedy doesn't exist oh yeah. my so, god I've and you knew like you're like, taking off and you're like what are we doing why am yeah, i even on this plane yeah, yeah. like why am we're i in this flooring country? it and we're not getting in the air we're flooring it we're not getting in the air and then the entire flight from that point was the bumpiest scariest flight sweats You're just and then when we hit the ground the whole time like, yeah imagine looking out your window and not being able to see an inch in front of it and the oh. plane just going all over the place god they just gave yeah. the flight they just gave the pilot a relaxed kit and he's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah oh you probably god. are begging for a relaxed kit on yeah. that flight <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one dude wakes one up buddy. like i'll take two i'll take two yeah. <laughs> the dude who did take the relaxed kit wakes up after you all like just almost dies like everyone's so upset about it y'all take the relax kid he's like i'll call man i'm pushed huh yeah what a flight huh guys what movie we watch eh (laughs) what uh what team were you on when the two-seater plane flew in front of you i was with pittsburgh and that's when we were playing the play we're playing the islanders and yeah that was just like your typical flight everybody's walking around and right up and everybody went down and was like what the hell just happened wow crazy man, that's nuts what uh what's one thing you would you would have done different with your time in the league or in time in, For me, in my, general yeah my, my time in pittsburgh was filled with so much stress like everybody was telling me who i was supposed to be what i was supposed to do and honestly like i played 150 nhl games and like of all those games, like I don't think I enjoyed like more than half of them. I was just really? so stressed and so anxious. Every time I stepped on the ice, it was like, if I don't score tonight, I'm a failure. And it wasn't till I was 25 years old that I got a sports psychologist that just helped me retrain my mind into focusing. Like yeah. she called it process goals. Like, hey, you want to score a goal? Like go out, move your feet, finish checks and try to get five shots on goal. If you, you know, you can do that every game and not score. And if you do that, that's a good game. Um, But from 20 to 25, like literally, I remember being in the locker room, like, like shaking, like I'm going to get sent down if I don't score tonight. I'm playing with Crosby. If I don't get him the puck, if I don't like who plays a sport, like with all that pressure for unrealistic things that you really can't even control. Like, sure, I can control scoring, but if I'm going out to play a game and I just like am anxious and uptight the entire time, like feel like I very much underperformed early in my career. And then when I became the best version of myself physically and mentally, I got labeled as somebody who already had their chance. Like I played probably the best six games of my NHL career at 31 years old with the Devils. Mm -hmm. And then I never got to play a game ever again. Like, it's just like my, my like, my NHL story to, to, to kids, it's like, I didn't get to live like the dream, not to get all depressing on you guys, but like, I didn't really have a chance to embrace it and love it. I didn't yeah. love it until after I became the best version of myself and I couldn't have it. Like, uh, you know, I played, I played a total of, I think 11 games from 26 to 31, 11. Before yeah. that I played 139 and of 139 of them, it was just like not even the best, best, not even half of the best version of myself as a yeah. hockey player yeah you know well because it's almost like a paralyzing thing you're like you don't want to mess up 
you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, or whatever. But dude, I mean, you're super success. Like, yeah, like I hate on, that, man. you know, like, yeah. no, not that, but like, you know, fucking got to the NHL. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's yeah. awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it takes a while to realize how much you actually did accomplish, right? Like, when you're in it, you're like, I can always do more. I can always be better. I'm not, you know, but like, it took you, you had to step back and grow and realize, like, I've done something amazing and I wish I would have just really accepted that and try to, you know, work on these things to help get these goals that I was after. Right. And now like, you've I, reached the pinnacle, the working perspectives podcast. <laughs> you made it, pal. You're here. You made it to the top. You're here. But, but yeah, everywhere you went, too, and you I got won. squeezed in. Yeah. Everywhere you went, you won. Didn't you win in uh, Bellevue too? Didn't you guys go there yeah. and win? And then you won, um, you know, you, you Pittsburgh is obviously a great team. And then when you went to Detroit. Wait, you, uh, so wait, how many Stanley Cups? You won a Stanley no Cup. No Stanley Cups. Okay. I, I, I was on the, I joined the Penguins the year after they won. Okay. And then I left the Penguins two years before they won back to back. But I won a Calder Cup in the American League. Okay. And um, yeah, that was just the frustrating part. Like I literally was probably one of the best forwards in the minors, like the triple A version of the NHL yeah. um, for five straight years. And I got to play 11 games because of it. Um, yeah. It actually made me like when I retired, I'm now like very much open and, and appreciative. And like, I am proud of my career now from like where I yeah, came from, but like be. for the last two years, like I like hated hockey. Like it made me yeah. so mad to think about like what the business of the game did to me. It made yeah. me just like, like f that like i gave everything i had to these organizations and they just like chewed me up and spit me out like yeah. i really had a bad taste in my mouth to even talk about hockey now i'm at a great place like i yeah. i understand that i can no longer play i have my mind my wits my body family everything's great so yeah. now i'm like very comfortable and proud of my achievements where yeah. you know right when i retired it was like don't even want to talk about hockey like f hockey yeah yeah and it takes and time you needed a break probably that. yeah yeah you know you're burning your out. whole life yeah, you're burnout. out. Would you say the politics and the business side of it is that the thing you hated most or disliked most about hockey? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think um, this perception that when you're 25 years old, you are like washed up and you can't be a different version of yourself look is like the, bullshit. Look at the Stanley Cup this year, right? Like they're right. all in their early 20s, right? Yeah. Yeah. So but that's all I they mean, let that, play that anymore. They're done with you after you're 25. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like we draft a kid in the first round and Eric Tangrady at 26 is a way better player than him. Yeah. But I've got a GM who picked this kid in the first round. I got five scouts. Yeah. I got the media. Yeah. I have who is going to appease our decision making to draft this kid in the first round. Is it going to be Eric Tangrady, the kid who dominated the minors or our first round draft pick, even though yeah. Eric's better. Yeah. He doesn't get a chance because yeah. it makes all of us look bad if our first yep. rounder doesn't make the team. Yeah. Yep, yep. That part yep. drove me that's, effing insane. Um, and their egos are getting in the way of making yep. their team better. Yeah. Right. Know? Yeah. Huh. Had they yeah, had they done what's best for business, then they'd still be in business. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I'm with you. Dude, you ever do this? Like I know for me, right? I'd always like like for fighting and stuff, right? I always would look back. I'm like, can I beat myself when I was at this age or at this point? Can I beat myself when I was this way or that? You know what I mean? So for you, when you're getting older, do you ever think like when you're, you know, when you're 28, you're like, man, oh man, I could have whooped 26 year old ass hockey. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, do you ever get those thoughts? I get those thoughts in a different mind state. Like I think of 
if 28 year old Eric, not because I, I get people develop and improve, right? That's sure, life. Sure. You know, everybody gets their wits when they're like older because they just learn. That's just the knowledge of life. Yeah. But I just look at if I had the same headspace mm-hmm. at 28 that I did at 21, like, yeah, I'm probably like a perennial 20 goal scorer every year in the National yeah. Hockey League. Like me, yeah. I had all the tools to be an unbelievably un- unbelievable NHLer but my mind failed me. So that's like Damn. the number one thing I try to give back when I'm mentoring kids is like, yeah. listen, I had it all. I'm six foot four. I could score, I could skate, but I was just weak between the years. And that's yeah. like, you know, I'm not sitting here saying like mental health crisis. I'm just talking straight confidence, right? Yeah. Like yeah. just waking up and believing like me, I'm good enough. I don't yeah. need to play how my, these people want me to play. I don't need to appease this guy or that guy. Like mm-hmm. I'm good enough to be here and I'm going to play my game and that's going to be enough. Mm-hmm. I didn't start to realize that till I was like 25, 26. And it was like, quote unquote, too late. What, what uh, would, you, would you say like, you know, like, do you have like a moment or something like when you're what was like a breakthrough you had when going into like the, the building the confidence in your mind? Do you remember like a certain thing that you had to get past or, you know, like something that was holding you back that would all you would that would trigger you to go to this like week or like, I don't want to say week, but like, unconfident state in your mind yeah so it was it was two things and it's going to sound insane but it was always it was always just the game days right like game days performance what's the media going to say about me this is when social media just started to get like hot so i remember Mm -hmm. going on twitter and like researching what people were saying about me and i was just so young and stupid to be like you know i'm playing on the first line tonight well what do the fans think of that let me see what the fans think uh, about yeah. that. So yeah. then I'm reading like, oh, how dare could how could they ever put him with Crosby? He's not, he stinks, he's this, he's slow, he's that. And then you again, you're walking into a negative environment. The best mm-hmm. thing that sports psychologist said to me, she's like, don't get stuck in the suck, right? Like yeah, you wake up, yeah. there are so many sales books and so many things about life about like if you wake up in the morning and you just write down like 10 gratitudes and affirmations, like imagine how great of a day you would have. Like, man. Today I'm gonna sell. I'm gonna you know meet three new clients, or I'm gonna um, you know I'm so thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my health, my job, my you know my financial security. Like just gra- being having gratitudes and affirmations every single day to start your day. Like what a positive way to start it. Where for a hockey game, I'm trying to read what people who have no clue about the game of hockey are yep. saying about me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep you know so that was like the number one trigger and then the number two trigger believe it or not was like i was just so overly caffeinated for hockey games it sounds ridiculous but like it would make me unbelievably jittery yeah um and i started to like cut off cut out caffeine like i would i would take like four hour energies or like what were you doing i mean i would would wake up for pregame skate i drink a 20 ounce coffee I would come to the rink and I would drink three, four cups of coffee. Then I'm taking a pre-workout 30 minutes before my game. Like we're talking like resting heart rate of like one. Yeah. yeah, Resting heart rate of 150. Like what stirs on like anxiety and it's, it's caffeine. And I, when I, slowly cut caffeine every Lent, I used to give up coffee Mm -hmm. and it's the funniest ongoing joke I have with myself. Like, yeah, the first couple of days were tough. I would have the best months of hockey when I would give up coffee. Wow. Be- and it would, is that a coincidence? Like it didn't, it didn't really cross my mind until like two, three years later in the length yeah. of giving up caffeine. But yeah, yeah was, don't get stuck in the suck. Who cares what people think? Be positive and then just try to cut <laughs> being were, overly caffeinated. Were, were you, were, but like you were thinking though in your mind, like <sighs> I can't, I play better with the coffee. 
right? Like that was what you were thinking before. Like, is that why you couldn't kick it? Cause you, it like, was just, you're, you're trained. Like I need energy. Coffee is uh, energy. Okay. Caffeine is energy. Yeah. I'm pretty tired for my game tonight. Let me take an extra cup of coffee in my yeah. pre-workout. Like it yeah. was never like my mind that was tired. I needed some fix to yeah. make me not tired. Yeah. I got you. Go ahead, Tom. Can we not look past the fact that Matt said, what did you used to take? A four-hour energy? What's a four-hour energy? <laughs> Isn't that what they're called? Five-hour energy. Five hour. <laughs> well, he doesn't drink the whole thing, you know? Yeah, he just drinks four bits of it. <laughs> just leave a little sip. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I only man. wanted three and a half hours of energy, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what were you drinking? Blue balls out there? Or what were you <laughs> oh, man. Nice. All right. So then... Okay. Uh, what if you're going? What was uh, the worst moment uh, you had in in hockey? In all hockey, like PUE traveled all the way to Russia. Like, what is like? What's the worst? I remember again. I, I'll just. I don't care. Sad story. But I remember um, playing a game in Montreal. Okay. Again, stress, anxiety. Finally, yeah. that was like I got traded from Winnipeg to Montreal. They sent me down to the minors. And that was the first time I was sent down to the minors in five years. And Montreal traded for me. And they said, we want you to get your confidence back. And then we want to call you up and be an important part of our team down towards the playoff stretch. Mm -hmm. So played really well in the minors, got called up, played seven really, really good games for Montreal. Like really started to solidify myself. Mm -hmm. Again, was still in like my old mind space of like negativity. And I remember like drinking a bunch of coffee before a game. Yeah. It was Saku yeah. Koivu uh, Memorial Night. And we had an eight o'clock game that didn't start till 930 because this guy spoke for 90 minutes in front of the fans. What? And I had not even close the worst hockey game in the in, in the in my entire life. We're talking six years old to 33. This was the worst game I ever had in my life. And I remember getting off the ice, taking my gear off. Not one coach said a word to me. Not one player said a word to me. I went to go like work out because that was my way to like blow steam after a game. I came back, nobody was in the room and my gear was packed. And some media guy came up to me and was like, Hey, you're going back to the mine. And I said, well, can I talk to the coach? No, he doesn't want to talk to you. Can I talk to the GM? No, he doesn't want to talk to you. The car's coming to pick you up at six o'clock in the morning. So all I wanted to do was not like fight my way to back in the lineup. I just wanted to be like, hey, coach, like, listen, like those seven games were a sample size of like, of me, yeah. of what you saw. That's what I'm yeah. capable of. Like, I don't need to explain myself, but like, I just had a rough day. Like I didn't have a good nap. I didn't, you know. Yeah, yeah. This, that, One the bad game. game. Like, I respect that you're sending me down, but please don't overlook this as like, a that's bad who I am. Experience, yeah. So literally like went back to the room and like cried, like yeah. I legit cried because yeah, yeah. this was my last chance in my mind to like, I already got sent down. So I felt that experience, but like was still confident knowing like, okay, I just didn't fit in there. It's time to like get your yeah. shit together. Yeah. You'll find um, spot. Got my shit together, played great for seven games and then have one horrific game and not one person gave me one second of their time to just say, Hey, you're going down. Obviously, you know, even if they said like, Hey, you played the worst game I've ever seen in my life. You're going down. Yeah. Like, no problem. Yeah, But to then just like go work out, work my nuts off, feel like I finally cleared it from my mind, my bag's packed, and some weasel media guy tells me I'm yeah. getting sit that, sat, yeah. sat down. Like that was like the turning point of like – Well, that just shows you right. the lack of class that they had. Like that's bullshit, you know? Like and I know it's a business. You're a human being. You're an adult also. And you're a right. man. Like you couldn't have had like an assistant coach. Like even if it's an assistant coach, it's better than some screwball media guy. Yeah. Like that's, that's crap, man. That sucks, dude. I hate right. that. Right. But you know what? 
I don't regret it because then if, if it happened another way, if I didn't go through struggles, like I wouldn't have been the best version of myself. That's the turning True. point. It's just, True. it's just unfortunate. It's not, it's out of my control, yeah. but it's unfortunate. I never really got a real opportunity after that. Yeah. Um, but like that, that was, those are the best, most fun years of my life playing yeah. 11 NHL games and absolutely tearing up the minors. Like that yeah. was the most fun I ever had playing hockey in my life, stepping on the ice and being like, I'm going to take over this game at any point that I want, I'm going to take over this game. And sure. I was frustrated by not getting called up and being overlooked, but like just that mindset, like you going into a ring and being like, someone come can knock me out. Good luck. Like that was my mindset for six, seven straight years. And that was the best freaking time I ever had. Damn. I wish, honestly, I've only ever had that, like that type of mindset of like, I could go through a wall. Like I remember I had had a fight. Tom, you remember this, and I lost. And I remember I it was like one of the later rounds, and the guy had dropped me with an overhand right, but I still came back and won. I you know feel like I won the round or came back and fought back in the round. But after that fight, I was like I had lost that fight, and I remember Tom like was with me afterwards, and I was crying and I was upset, and I was like God fucking damn it, like I'm better than this guy, and like all this stuff, right? So then me and Tom, tr- Tom then became my cardio coach after that, and honestly. If you ever want to have like, like, cause I know you've been with it, Eric, like there's sometimes you're with a coach or a trainer where they'll know, like you're not having the best day and they'll put you through it, but they won't rip your ass apart. Right. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen when it's your older brother. He's like, he was like the worst days. It was like, Oh, he can ate it up. And we were like, we're like, we're running, like we're running Roxborough, the stadium. And like, we're just like, he had a great like cardio program. And honestly, it was the best shape I'd ever been in. My cardio was some roof. I like the next fight I'd line up, I was going to kill the guy. And I remember drop me and him were driving to the fight on the way there. And like to go to like, especially the in the later rounds, you're like, oh. we're like once it gets to the third, fourth round, it's over. I'm going to murder this guy. Like I was but, not, uh, had a great training camp, went to the fight, weighed in everything. And then the guy, he, he just left. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> fight. I went through all of that for nothing. Soaking <laughs> pissed. Yeah, I remember that. And we had, like we had, I was, dude. I told everyone to come to that fight. I was like, oh, I'm gonna. Because you were gonna rock this guy. Like oh, you were gonna kill this guy. I was gonna. Yeah. I never, never felt better. I was like, but you we had, were in the ring before you were warming up. Oh, I felt so up good. And was like, I was yeah. like, this is we're gonna you're gonna crush him. Yeah, and then he but, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that sucked. But you're you're like that feeling is it is intoxicating. But you being able to have that. And being in control, like almost every, like, you know, every game and knowing, knowing you have it, right? Like, that's the other thing, you know, you're good enough. You know what I mean? It's not a fluke that you're there. It's not like, oh, I'm here because blah, blah, blah. You know, you have it and that you can play at any level at the highest level. And that's, dude, honestly, too, like, that's got to be an incredible, incredible feeling. And even though, like, I know it took you a while mentally to get there, like you're saying, but you've accomplished some great, great things, dude. And you should be very proud of yourself. You know, oh, I, I know. I appreciate that. And it's like in life, man, like you, you don't learn from just being successful all the time. Right. You right. always remember sure. hiccups and the adversity that you go through. And that's just like one thing, like you can try to instill in your kids and your friends, like embrace adversity, right? Like you're good. Yeah. You, you learn way more from failure than you do success. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I you came back like, to win that Calder Cup with the uh, with the 
Griffins, dude. That was awesome. Yeah. That whole playoff run was great. And yeah. you were like leading that team to the, uh, to the championship, you know, what, what is being on the inside of playoff hockey? Like, like Wait, how before even that you're on an EA sports roster. Are you not on the NHL games? <laughs> Yeah, the greatest accomplishment I've ever heard. Yeah, you can play as yourself in a video game. You, oh you put the mountaintop. So true. Wow. That is you used to get mad about your stats so or no? True. Oh yeah, like you know, like you checking, nine, checking ninety nine, shooting eighty five, skating forty two. Like screw <laughs> off, guys. <laughs> I used to run the hills. Damn it. Yeah, he's opening That's... bad wounds. All of a sudden, they're like, he's not moving his feet. There's like a guy on the ice, like just so rolling it. It's just. What a, what an accomplishment to be mad at your rank. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, you know, yeah. all these people are like, oh, I wish I could be. And then you get your stats. You're like, this is this is BS. Yeah, yeah, it's that's awesome. that's awesome though. Have you did you have you ever done that? Have you played as yourself in like NHL? Oh, we did. It was like the funniest thing we would do in the minors on the bus. Guys would bring, you know, obviously as my career advanced, technology advanced. Guys would bring like monitors and Xboxes on the bus, and they'd yeah. be playing our team against each other and they'd be like get your feet going tango what the <laughs> like you know oh that you, know, you get in a what, fight simulated like, simulated yeah, the guys would fight oh, like yes. you know another guy's fighting another guy in the video game and everyone's yeah. jumping back like Kill him. <laughs> i got 20 on him yeah yeah that that was your tango was your nickname Yes, that's so, badass. That's like you say, like it's it's either an ER or an O. So my nickname in junior hockey was Tanger, but then when I got to the Penguins, Chris Latang was Tanger, oh. so I had to be called Tango, and Tango Ooh. just kind of Tango just stuck for the rest of my career. That's badass, though. That I mean, that's a pretty cool story of how to get a nickname. You know what I mean? Like, well, Latang's already Tanger, so I got to be Tango. What are you gonna hey, do? <laughs> yeah. do? You mind telling the story about uh? The uh, I don't know if you if you can or whatever, but the butter, the shoes with the uh, with Malkin. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't have to tell it, but it's uh, no, it's fine. It's it's so there's a stupid tradition where when you go out to dinner, you go to team dinners, like you know, let's just say once a month, and everyone always tries to get the rookies. It's called a shoe check to grab the bread butter off the table, climb under the table and put butter on people's shoes while they're eating dinner. And then when you accomplish it, you give a look over at the veteran who called you to shoe check somebody. Um, and it's just like, you know, when you're a rookie trying to fit in, you just, yeah, you, course, you answer their call, whatever they need would do. So, yeah. Plus they're your dinner. idols. Like you've been looking up to these guys for years. Yeah. 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 So we're at dinner and get the call to go shoe check Malkin. And I'm like, no. You nope. you got the call. They yeah. asked you so, to shoot. Oh shit. <laughs> so um, you know, they're literally going under the table and they go and um we put we, it was me and another guy, like me and it was me and like three rookies had to like work together. Like one guy, um, I wasn't like the actual physical checker. I went over and talked to Malkin and was like, Do you know like how's it going? Like, um, you know, how you been? And then another guy climbs under the table with the butter to distract them and then starts smearing butter all over his feet. The other rookie is at the other end of the table, moving his chair out of the way, pretending to tie his shoes so the guy can climb under the table and put the butter on his shoe. Wow. So when and this you is get shoe like checked. Fancy place. Yeah, oh, yeah. This is at Del, this is at Del Frisco's in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, so when the shoe check happens, everyone acknowledges it and you grab your knife and you tap your water glass. And everybody starts doing it. 
and it's just like a mad frenzy. Everybody pushes their seats back and looks down at their feet, right? So, you know, some guys do it faster than others. So like Gino just does it later and he like grabs his shoe and he's just like, looks at it, looks up. And Tom, I don't remember what kind of shoes they were, but I'll just say, he grabs, he like, grabs his shoe and he's like, these, these, these Gucci, these $3,000 shoes. <laughs> And he like was not happy about it. All. He's like these, 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 these Gucci. Like it was like it was just it couldn't have worked out any better. But he was like visibly mad at me, like very mad at me because I was the one who like walked over and just like started a random conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, dude, <laughs> Tom, did I did I tell the story right? It's been so many years. No, that sounded right to me, dude. That is hysterical. <laughs> Like what is Cro- like Crosby's the captain, but Malkinen's like right there, right? Like he's oh no, he, he Crosby's like they're antagonizing this to happen. Like they oh, want it to okay. happen more than they, like yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to see him. Okay, this has made yeah. Crosby's year. He's like this is a fire. Yes, <laughs> like I, and, and it's not. It's not like it's not like a, every time. It's not like this big like lovey thing. Like I've seen a guy pull four full glass of wine on a guy when he caught him doing it. Like yeah, like yeah. it's not There's like this like involved. happy. Yeah, like happy thing to do. Like people yeah. get pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you got four thousand dollar shoes with butter all over them, my God, that how is, ridiculous is that though? That you is know? that is great. That's One hockey, shoes. right? That's yeah. hockey. That's Come hockey. on, that's, that's hockey. hockey. <laughs> that's hockey, babe. Come yeah. on. That's like great. the one year it got it got so bad that like we didn't have butter, so like. We have we'd have these like buffet dinners, and one guy like poured Alfredo sauce on somebody's freaking shoes oh. because we didn't have butter. It was like at one point it got so bad that like we we like guys we 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 got to stop. Like you guys, you can't you can't you can't like one guy would eat with his shoes off, and they put a, a whole thing of sour cream in his shoes while he. he <laughs> so he put his shoes back on, and his socks are just covered in sour cream from like a baked potato. <laughs> like. Fellas, we have to stop. This is not uh, like the, some of the pranks. Awesome. I have some like amazing pranks. Like one guy got his, his his full suit. He got his suit pants cut like above his knees, and he had to walk out of the rink with basically his suit pants were suit shorts. Head <laughs> of the game, fashion wise. Yeah, LeBron yeah. did that later, didn't he? Man, that's hysterical. What I mean. So wait, it's like it's not like a uh, a specific di- dinner every year. It's like it could be any dinner f- throughout the season. Yeah, right? like we we have we have pregame meal on the road after our morning skate at twelve thirty every time we play a road game. There's a buffet buffet lunch. Is that for every team or just the every team? every team okay. does that? And the whole okay. team sits down for like an hour. And generally, like you don't do it every day because then guys will be like, but like you kind of yeah. read the room, like, yeah. oh, okay, like today's a good Malcolm, day. Malcolm scored five goals in the last five games. He's feeling good about himself. Like someone go butter dump him. some butter on his Gucci. Butter him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is there a specific? Uh, is there a team or a stadium that you remember had the best food? Like, a, that you're like, oh man, I can't wait to get to freaking Boston. They have the best buffet or whatever. Like the, any, any, any place you went that had the best uh like you were like oh this place is great yeah so we when we would stay in dallas like we would stay at the most ridiculous hotel you would ever see in your life like i don't know how it was like tucked in this community where there's just like rolls royces and like beautiful people like everywhere everyone's dressed to the nines and then there was a nobu in the lobby 
Um, and then the Nobu there was like the social scene. So it was like the greatest dinner of your life. And like, it's kind of like a little bit of like a loungy, like big yeah. city club vibe where they're playing music yeah. and everyone's like having a good time. Um, always love that. But the funniest thing is Montreal is known for their hot dogs. So post game, we would get like 50 hot dogs delivered to the room and probably just the hype of them being the best hot dogs. Guys are just like, look like freaking Kobayashi in the locker room. Like, <laughs> oh my God, these things are the best. We're in Montreal. Like order, all they do is they literally just butter the shit out of a piece of bread and put a, a freaking ballpark Frank on it. And everyone yeah. goes insane. Like they just oh, had the wow. best meal of their life. That's Justin, so funny. You got to go up to Montreal, get your glizzy fit. I got a hot dog sitting downstairs waiting for me. <laughs> you better butter that bread. Damn, that's awesome. So, okay. And then, okay. So would you say like Dallas is your favorite city to visit on the road when you were in the NHL? For, for experience off the ice. Like, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't beat playing in Madison Square Garden. Like they show the Jumbotron and it's like, you know, here's freaking every celebrity or you go to LA and you got tons of celebrities, but playing in Canada, like nothing compares. Like Canada is hockey. I heard Quebec is nuts, right? Like playing in, in Quebec. Is that- we only played one. We played one exhibition game in Quebec City, but Montreal is nuts. Montreal is yeah. absolutely insane. Play- nothing compares to playing in Canada. Like you, as a Penguins player, sure, people love the Penguins, but when you go to Toronto, people like, you know, 500 people waiting outside of your hotel to walk on the bus. And you go to the game, and then there's like 2,000 people in warm ups at an away game in Penguins jerseys, banging on the glass. What? Like the support was like insane for the wow. team. Um, it was, it was wild. It was, it was very, very cool going and playing in Canada, wow. especially like with the Penguins. Man, that is awesome. Okay. What is, uh, what's your best moment hockey all time best moment? Winning, uh, winning a Calder cup, like just winning in general. Like I played on some good playoff teams and you lose and there's letdown, but to go in the AHL and win the whole entire thing, like what we went through as a team, like the, that is why you play the game from your kid. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. We want to win the Stanley Cup, but that's not everybody doesn't get that opportunity. So we yeah. won basically the next best thing in professional yeah. hockey, which yeah. is the Calder Cup. And just looking back on like that journey, that run, like, you know, watching a guy like literally cry, walking to the rink, put his skate on, you know, take a, a, a little bit of some pain med and like go out and play 25 minutes. And then after the game, when the meds wore off, start crying again because he's in so much pain like that winning and the sacrifice that goes involved in winning is like the coolest freaking thing ever ever dude that's incredible man that is incredible so we're coming to the top time real quick though before we get out eric man this has been great but i want to give you a chance to talk about what you're doing now right so what do you got going on so uh you're in the real estate game right so uh for everyone listening we'll have a link in the description for eric's everything that you can look him up on all his socials for his business for everything like that if you want to get in contact with him but what do you got going now? Uh, what what's give us the rundown, man? Yeah, no, I appreciate you kind of giving me the floor for that. So yeah, when I transitioned from hockey, uh, it was tough, but I always knew like what what always coincided with my career, and it was real estate. I mean, I've been a landlord, I've been a tenant, I bought and sold houses oh, wow. in different cities. Yeah, yeah. So you know, now I'm a, a realtor in the Pittsburgh area. I've I know this area well. I've lived here for a while, but um, I'm really excited to like what I'm launching in the next few months. Uh, from the referral side, I have a huge network of hockey clients across the country that, you know, they get traded to a new city and you know, the, the GM's wife's friend is a team realtor. Is she the best real estate agent in the city for that player? Like, no. So 
what I'm trying to create is a concept Ooh. where basically you give me a call first. Yeah. I've been a player. Yeah. So let me go ahead and, you know, I joined Sotheby's. So go, let me call the best five Sotheby's agents, interview them, tell them what you're looking for, see if they can understand the complications of working with an athlete. And then I'll sign you with who I think is the best. Wow. So basically you can just show up to, to your new city, call me, I'll do all the behind the scenes work. And then right when you land, I'll have a real estate agent pick you up and show you around the city and where you should be living. Damn. Um, dude, so, that's a genius idea. And then it's essentially, it's essentially a network. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's essentially a relocation company. Like, and, yeah. um, it doesn't just necessarily have to be athletes. Like I look at, um, people in Philadelphia who don't have a real estate agent. Well, who do they go to? Oh, I got to talk to my cousin's friend's yeah. sister. Yeah. You know, she's, she'll be devastated. Well, it's like, no, call me. Like you are paying a lot of money to a real estate agent. There are ways that I can negotiate on your behalf for your well-being, even though I'm in Pittsburgh, that's going to give you the best real estate agent in your yeah. local market. So yeah, um, yeah I'll, I'll be happy to share that link and I would appreciate you sharing it. That's going to be of kind of the bigger, I started as just in Pittsburgh, but I see this thing expanding all over the country Dude. with being backed by Sotheby's. So I'm excited for it. Dude, that's honestly, that's a genius idea, right? Especially to like, Honestly, if you're a young kid, you know what I mean? Like if you're a young kid coming up, you don't know, you know, your butt from a hole in the ground, right? Like this, you know, like, Hey, like, like you were saying before, like hotel closest to the arena, right? So like, you gotta be at practice. You gotta be at the arena every day. Where do you want to live? Oh, do you have other guys on the team near you? What gives you the best in this market? Like if you have kids or if you have a family or pets or whatever, like, you know, all that stuff from years and years of being in the game. That is a genius. Dude. Not to mention what you're meant, what you're saying is someone, you know, people that are bought a house or whatever, you want the person to work for you. Mm -hmm. you so know. you're able to find the perfect person for them to like, there's a lot of the realtors know the other realtors. And so sometimes yeah. you feel like you have someone that's working for you, but they're working with, you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, you're getting the right person to help you get your best deal and the best thing for you to, uh, yeah. to move forward. And I mean, and the beauty of, of it is, is you're going to pay your exact same normal commission you're going to pay. And that agent then pays me a referral. So there's no additional charge for including yeah. me to work for you and find out who's the best person for you. So yeah. no, I'm really, really excited about it. Very passionate about it. That's uh, what I'm where'd looking you, forward to. Where'd you come up with this idea? <laughs> well, I, I just, in the last year, I, I had a couple athletes in different cities reach out and say, Hey man, like I'm moving to long Island. Like, do you know anybody? And I was like, yes, like I, I'm with Sotheby's. Like, let me just go ahead and find the best five agents in long Island. So he was going to buy a place at the Ritz Carlton. It was like, uh, I think it was 3 million. And the agent told him, if you get a real estate agent, the price is going to go up. And I said, that is never going to happen. That's just not how the business works. But obviously yeah. she wants to take double the commission. Yeah, so yeah. she's going to tell a not, like a, a, an uninformed client that. So long story short, I found an agent in that area who sold half of that building. She ended up saving him $400,000 and getting all the furniture included in the condo. So literally wow. I provided in my mind a half a million dollars worth of value to this guy, all because he just made one phone call to me. Yeah. Yeah. And from there it was like, man, I look at the, the, the penguins real estate agent and she plays paddle tennis with the old GM's wife. That's how she gets all the business here. Is she the uh, best? She's a good agent. Yes. But is she the best person for the players? No, no. And, she, and you've she, been in there. You've yeah. known what they need, you know? Yeah. And she's not yeah. looking, you're looking out for the players and they're and like, what's best for them she's just looking out like all right this is what we do kind of thing 
You know what I mean? Like, this is how we do it, right? Like, not necessarily right. what works best for the players, especially those guys. Like, if you got a guy, you know, that doesn't have a ton to spend and needs that, that you know, the furniture and the 400, like, you know, not everyone in the NHL is a freaking rock star, million, billionaire. You know what I mean? Like, right. everyone else is, they got the the, the Mr. Tan Grady kind of thing going on, you know? So, <laughs> uh, nice. they want to know about the hot dogs in Montreal. They want to know about <laughs> that. <laughs> Man. Dude, Wait. I'll also, say- too. I, I mean, one thing I, I'm kind of Go interested ahead. in. I know you're you're you you just got a job as a head coach, right? Oh, right. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Go ahead. so That's awesome. So yeah, there's a you know just going into like me trying to do that referral business. I can take care of that stuff anywhere. So yeah, I knew I wanted to get back involved in hockey, but not at the pro level because I understand what frustrated me was the politics. So mm-hmm. there's a prep school in Pittsburgh that you know beautiful campus they have their own rink but it's a very underappreciated rink underappreciated program so um that prep school level i know what it did for me i know what i can do for them so i decided to take the head coaching job there and not just be an ice hockey coach but like try to change their lives so i'm really excited for that dude Dude, yeah and how much has your journey going to be able to help with with these kids like that's so cool and like that's probably got to be helping you getting the love back you know that you might have uh lost you know 100 percent. yeah 100 you thinking like i wish 28 year old eric was in 22 year old eric's body right like my, mental wise you're gonna be able to provide that for these kids man that's awesome wow and that's gonna be fun too because you're gonna like like you're saying the program isn't like the best program ever you know but if you're able to build them into like a legit powerhouse that is gonna be a blast was uh yeah was, was this court appointed that you had to coach these kids <laughs> court appointed <laughs> all right guys first two things we're going to work on we're going to work on the flying v and the knuckle puck (laughs) (laughs) how come a knuckle puck has never been you know a thing you know what i mean why why why? he owns the rights to it and can i have one more hockey question strategy whatever how come we just can't get the fattest human alive and put them in, in the net and just block the whole goal you know, is there a weight restriction for a goalie? No, it's like the Walrus commercial. What what insurance company is it where the Walrus plays goalie and he's just sleeping in that? Butterbean. I don't know. Great goalie. Oh, the best. I would say that it wouldn't work because of this. The skates are roughly four inches from contact to where you're standing. So you could very easily just keep the puck along the ice and score on a tremendously fat goalie. Ooh. I mean, I guess if you're saying he you goes need down a, a butterfly, yeah, and you he's need so a fat that he, yeah. You need a fat guy who can butterfly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is there anything against laying down? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You find me somebody that's four feet, four feet wide on their side. (laughs) And you you or four feet tall on their side. You got me. As long as they can hold up an arm, you know. Start recruiting from my six hundred pound life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Eric's going to all local buffets trying to find people for I have the best goalie. She goes to Golden Corral four days a week. (laughs) 
Look, I'm looking at Lizzo for my next goaltender. Yeah, we got her training on Montreal hot dogs. And uh... <laughs> nice. Well, she's dude. they're not de-icing the plane, and she's overweight. But <laughs> man, uh, Eric, man, I'll tell you, dude, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I know me, Tom, and Justin were usually on the same page with this, but we would love to have you back on if you'd be willing to come back. Absolutely, and I'll be on time this time. I swear. Uh, come on. It's all right. We're uh, I'll tell you, we're coming to the top of time, but before we get out of here, Eric. Is there anything you want to say to, uh, you know, the working perspective faithful out there before we take off? Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of my stories can relate to everybody, right? Like some Agreed. days it sucks to wake up, but don't get stuck in the suck, right? Like we yeah. have a lot to be appreciative of. Put on your work booth. Good things happen to good people and just keep yeah. persevering. I mean, yeah. um, I think that's a work and perspective mindset. Like yeah. life is going to throw freaking lemons at you. Just stir up some freaking lemonade and get after it. So that's my, uh, my advice. No, you're, you're dude. You are 100% right. Dwelling on the negative doesn't help at all. Yeah. Don't get stuck in the suck. I love that. That's a great, great term. That's awesome. Plus two, you know, our old man used to have a saying, and I kind of like, I kind of stick with this. He used to say, everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to go through hell to get there. You know what I mean? So like, you got it. Amen. You got to eat some crow, man. Like you got to, you got to take, you know, you got to take these curveballs and all that stuff. But honestly, it makes you so much stronger. And like the, it, it just, it hardens you and makes your resolve better. Like just your, you know, I'm a hundred percent with you, dude. Just makes you sharper. So very nice, man. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, Justin, anything you want to say to the Jalen Dub fanatics before we get out of here? This is awesome. I really liked it. This is our yeah. first professional athlete on the show. I'm dope. on the I'm on the show. Yeah, I'm also on the week. show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Neither of you have an EA roster that you can pull up and show. <laughs> I have me. made myself a, a character. Yeah, and I have to. I'm, I'm currently the league leading scorer at small forward. In the and NBA. I'll tell you, my <laughs> skating <laughs> stats are way higher than Eric's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, no, very cool. Uh, and then Tom, before we get out of here, anything you want to say to your adoring? Uh, no, I just love the show, Eric. Thanks for being on. Um, yeah. and uh, kind of to go to same thing. Another phrase for you things work out best for the people who make the best of the way things work out <laughs> wow don't get stuck in the suck wow love it. i love it yeah nice all right well this has been another episode of the work and perspectives podcast i'm matt lavelle coming today by jalen dub justin richardson captain jerk beer tom lavelle Janny hilo and our guest is the one and only Eric Tangrady. You can find all our stuff and all our content and all podcast platforms on YouTube at Work Perspectives Podcast. You can also on Instagram at Work Perspectives Podcast. And you can join us on the Twitter and the Tiki Talk at Working P Pod. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email us at workperspectives at gmail.com. And please like and subscribe so we can keep this party going. Uh, thanks for listening. Stick around for the ad read. Thanks. See ya. Bye, Tom. Do you have a message or a story inside of you that you've been waiting to tell? Have you always dreamed of writing a book but are intimidated by the complexities of the book publishing world? Perhaps you want to use a book to launch your public speaking or consulting career. If so, please reach out to Scott and Bell Publishing, located right here in beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Scott and Bell Publishing handle all genres and authors with all experience levels. Scott and Bell Publishing gives authors 100% creative freedom and a higher royalty split. They can be found at www.skot.com. 
B-E-L-L.com. That's www.s is in Sam, K is in Kite, O is in October, E is in Tom, B is in Boy, E is in Edward, L is in Larry, L is in Larry.com. That's Scott and Bell Publishing, where the authors go.